This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Get ready to fall back into good hygiene and impeccable grooming with Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with promo code LASERTIME. Fisher King's Cancer Comedies in Blue Steel, this week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's pop culture time machine. Each week, taking you on a rip-roaring journey through the decades. 1991, 2001, and 2011, we're going to cover what happened during the same week across three decades. If you're over 30, oh boy, get ready to get those memories ajar in. The week we're covering is September 24th to the 30th. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. You want to hear a joke I just made up? It's terrible. I don't even know what that is yet. And who else? No, I'm asking. Do you want to hear oh, a joke yes. that I made up? It's terrible. Oh, yeah. All right. What's wrong with Generation Xers that don't get a vaccine or wear masks? Hmm. I don't know. What? They're stupid and contagious. <laughs> I, I, yes. Thank you for pointing Very that good. out, Kurt. Thank you for pointing that uh, out, Kurt. Where in the world is It's Me? Sarah. Yeah, it's her, Sarah. She is here, finally. It's an exciting week to look back on. Oh, this Sarah, week, so much. It's yeah. so much good stuff. And, like, I don't think we would necessarily classify everything as, like, blockbuster good stuff, right. but mm. small good to great things. Yeah, great things to talk about. Uh, even yeah. the video games are, like, completely out of line with <laughs> the last few weeks of releases. There's so much to talk about. Movies, TV, music, so very much more. I've uh, got to thank our executive producer, Tony Boy. Love saying that. It makes me feel like I'm on like old-timey radio. He's got a radio hey, handle. Tony stay gold. Boy. Stay, stay gold, gold, Tony Boy. All our other patrons at patreon.com slash lasertime. We do two exclusive shows based on this show just for you guys. We just did a Dirty Work commentary, a watch-along uh, in honor of the passing of Norman McDonald. Uh, Norm MacDonald, as David Letterman says, really hits the Mac. Welcome to 302010. You ready? For, you ready to open up three portals to three distant decades in the week of September twenty fourth to the thirtieth? Good. Uh, let's get started with nineteen ninety one. The only news I saw was it's mildly depressing, but I just in growing up, I don't think I was more aware of a person than Roseanne Barr. Now Roseanne Arnold. Every week, mm-hmm. it not only did she have like a show in the top ten, every week she found a way to do something controversial, and you wonder, you know, in the last few years why she. Seems addicted to controversy and coverage. She's farting while doing the national anthem. She's marrying one of her writers and appearing in, on TV. And this week, she bra- rather bravely came out and said she was a survivor of incest, sexual assault from a no. parent. Uh, that's what Roseanne's talking about this week. A few weeks from now, she'll talk about her multiple personalities. Roseanne, always interesting. <laughs> always interesting. Yeah, I, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, even during this period, she was constantly in the news for doing something usually innocuous and silly. Um, Mm. But yeah, fascinating individual, not validating any of her recent tweets. Um, Movies of 1991. Holy Lord. Why have I never heard of this film? The Search Mm. for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, starring only Lily Tomlin? Only Lily Tomlin, because it's a film adaptation of her one-woman show. It's just like a series of weird monologues and stuff going back to the 70s that she did with her partner who I believe is now actually her wife. They finally yeah. got married. They've been together like seriously 50 years. So Those two crazy kids. Those crazy I, kids. 
you can find this on YouTube. Really? I really wanted to make sure I at least watched a little bit of it. And I think I, I watched about the first half of it and absolutely loved it. I mean, I do think that one woman shows, one man shows gets kind of a bad rap as far as like performance art goes. And yeah. you can definitely see how this is the model for all the like parodies of one woman shows that <laughs> have come forward, you know, acting out crazy characters and stuff. But once you kind of get past those preconceived notions that have come from you seeing this done so poorly, this is done really well. It is really a fun watch, I think. And it just shows how unbelievably talented yeah. Lily Tomlin is. Whole Holy shit. <laughs> she won a Tony for this, for her stage performance of it. And it's absolutely deserved. I've always loved her so much. I love big business. I love uh, the uh, incredibly Frankie and Frankie and jo Grace and yeah. Frankie. Sorry. Grace and Frankie. Uh, yeah. So good. Incredible shrinking woman is an excellent movie. And it's like that. And I heart Huckabees are my favorite movies with little oh, Tomlin. In I them. heart Huckabees. I totally and, uh, forgot about that. Yeah. And flirting and with disaster. Of course, nine to five. Yeah. And uh, yes, and I'm wondering if she, because she's a perfectly fine actor. I just wonder if she didn't get cast this much. And I kind of like this. Fuck it, I'll just make a movie out of what I'm already doing and, yeah. uh, and have it receive an onslaught of accolades. I don't know if that's the case for Dave Simmons and Julia McNeil in The Refrigerator. That is a movie. Uh, it is very few accolades to The Refrigerator. <laughs> the Refrigerator. But we we have a lot of overall themes and uh, horror comedies is one. Mm -hmm. We have two horror comedies. This is the first one. Uh, yeah, it's about a refrigerator that eats people. Fuck okay. Yeah. It's what it says right on the box, man. Yeah. What do you want? Not, the not refrigerator as... opens. There is a portal to hell in the refrigerator, and it eats people. It's not spelled that as clearly deathbed, colon, the, death, the bed that eats. Right, uh, the bed <laughs> that eats people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a refrigerator, and I think by the end, all of the appliances in the kitchen start eating people. Ooh, and uh, Sarah... Well, they were hanging out in a bad crowd, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. Sarah yeah. had just mentioned right before we started, it's a full moon. Feels like fall, and I just activated my Shutter account. I Ooh, couldn't be more excited yeah. to view movies like The Refrigerator. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so I unfortunately have not seen it. We have so many movies this week, it cannot hit, get to everything. My God. Yeah, but, I started this this week yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah, um, it, it has a reputation of being, you know, uh, silly, like intentionally silly, but still fun to watch. Yeah. So. No problem go, there. Uh, also out this week, John Hurd and Goldie Hawn in Deceived. Uh, and that just sounds like a movie I probably wouldn't see. Like, is this uh, funny? No. No, this is a straight-up thriller. Oh. It's a straight-up thriller, and it's good. I really? like it a lot, actually. Is, yeah, I remember seeing it a million years ago, and I remember it being pretty good until the end. And in the end, it gets very silly. It, oh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of thrillers from this era do suffer from elements of silliness, certainly. But if you're looking for a straight-up thriller with grown-ups who are doing grown-up things, it's not. I would not necessarily classify it as erotic thriller because no, I mean it's John Hurt, so not yeah. a lot of erotic. Kevin McAllister's dad. I, mean, I want to see him bone. Rest in <laughs> peace. I love seeing him. You know, whenever he pops up, but uh, it's a it's fun as a thriller. It involves ancient art. And jewelry oh. and uh, mistaken, not mistaken identities, but false identities. And it is, it's fun. Oh. It's great. Faking deaths. Yes, faking deaths. And yeah. definitely the epitome of bistro vibes. I'm going to be bringing it up a lot in the next couple <laughs> of years because we are in the <laughs> midst of it. So if yeah. you want to talk about rich 
people in the city eating like caviar. This is for you. Yay. <laughs> Uh, and whoa, look at this cast. The opposite of that. The opposite is this. of this. Um, <laughs> Jason Bateman, Rob Schneider, Larry Miller, Robert Loja, uh, Her- <laughs> Harley Jane Kozak, Kathy Ireland, Sinbad, Hector Elizondo, and Scott Bakula. I can't believe of all these people at this point, I was only a fan of Kathy Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, football gets its major league necessary roughness. They're the worst team in college football. The quarterback's too old. I hope he gets younger as he gets closer. The tackle's too hip. Hey, little doggy, you about to get fixed. And the center's got a crush on the kicker. But if you can win with your mouth, the armadillos will be national champs. I've been waiting for you. You should be waiting for the guy to cut your hair. Necessary Roughness, rated PG-13. Necessary Roughness, I... The the image of this VHS is so burned into my brain, walking around in video rental stores at this point. But I've never liked this movie. Oh, I like this movie. It's, I just it's I, extremely silly fun. You nailed it when you said it's major league yeah. for football. Oh, it's a direct I mean, response from to major league. The cover mm-hmm. is is major league for football. It's, it's the, the same the, cover. The, the, it's an anthropomorphic ball flying at the same angle across the same blue sky. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and it just I just I didn't have HBO at this point, so I know like a lot of our listeners, I wasn't bombarded with repeat viewings of this. I would have had to go out of my way to watch it, which I never did more than once. But uh, I, I'd love one, to see if it has its fans. This mm-hmm. is one that Sam definitely had fond memories of, and we randomly rewatched it like a couple months ago, not even thinking that it was coming really. up soon. And really, I enjoyed the crap out of it. Honestly, like it's very fun, very sweet when it needs to be sweet, funny when it needs to be funny. It's a sports movie. Nothing, it, it hits all the right beats for me. I really liked it a nothing, lot. There's a, but there's a girl kicker on the team. Nothing glaringly like sexist in, for a 1991 sports comedy. I don't remember anything being huh. too bad about it, honestly. Yeah. Okay. as I mean, it's got PG, not even a PG-13. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to say safe for kids. Well, yeah. damn. All right. Yeah, I remember it's just being sort of light and cute. And yeah, Scott Bakula is going to be the quarterback on this college team, even though he's like 35. And, you know, they're a ragtag bunch of losers because like the previous team has been all disqualified. Mm-hmm. From the NCAA, and so they have to just start all over. But meanwhile, like Dean Larry Miller just wants to get rid of the entire football program, so you know he's setting them up to fail. So is there? I mean, gosh, we we we, it's like Ted Lasso vibes. I don't know. It's really weird. (laughs) Oh yeah, still have that. But I mean, it's the same thing as Major League. So I mean, is there a better role for Larry Miller than how many (laughs) movies has he played a dean in a football team's fun? Oh yeah, (laughs) wasn't he the dean and Nutty Professor too? And Nutty Professor 2 as well? Probably. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But yeah. And I mean, what a charming group of people. I mean, really? Yeah. Scott yeah. Beck, Hector Elizondo, Sinbad, come on, Robert Loja. Yeah. Love yeah. All these guys. yeah. Rob Schneider is the announcer, just exactly where he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just enough. And I think just one of the, enough. Sinbad's more notable roles. I, I don't know that he made a ton of movies other than Kazam. We all know this happened. And moving on to the next movie, and this is a- wow. which. I can't believe this made money. Yeah. Yeah, I'll it's number one. I'll just be honest, because I don't know how you sell this movie. Right. Oh, I think this is a Terry Gilliam joint, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, but it's his last one was Munchausen, man. Yes, but this is his most accessible one. Yeah, maybe this or Fear, yeah, Fear and Loathing. Probably. Yeah. Mm, and we, monkeys, maybe. I think monkeys. this is even more accessible, honestly. Wow. like the themes. Okay. I think the themes are far more 
Um, not Terry gosh, Gilliam. Not not <laughs> to like reuse the word over and over again, but far more accessible for people. We've yeah. got a love story. We've got a redemption arc. We've got tragedy. And, and, and oh, the I greatest... love this movie. We found the Terry Gilliam movie that I actually like and even absolutely love. And Whoa. all these people yeah. are like the greatest characters that ever charactered. Yes. They're, they're, yes, they all would would be fine in their own movies. Michael yes. Jeter, Amanda Plummer, Mercedes Rule, Jeff Bridges, and Robin Williams. I I'm with you. I don't. It seems like a different world where this is number one at the box office. It's the Fisher King. I was not out with a woman last night. I was out with Perry. The moron? Yes! Just this side of sanity. Who have we been chasing? The Red Knight. Lies a reality. Let's do it. Let's go to that place of splendor in the grass. Filled with the magic. I like New York in June. The Fisher King. Robin Williams. Jeff Bridges. You're out of your mind. Bingo! The Fisher King. (laughs) Every guy, do you get it? Like... Watching this on a bigger screen, like, yeah, another movie with Robin Williams' dick in it. Uh, you, can, you can totally make <laughs> it up. Just a little bit. You can no, he's, see he's, it. Wearing, he's wearing a little privacy pouch. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. It implies. Yeah, but I, yeah, he's running around naked. Sure. I, Why not? I rediscovered this after the death of Robin Williams. It's not my favorite movie from anybody in it, except for maybe Michael Jeter. Um, oh, but- oh. But God, it, I love him in this so much. <laughs> I want to see the movie of just his character. It's not I my it, it's not my favorite Terry Gilliam movie. It's not my favorite Robin Williams movie, but it is kind of my favorite Robin Williams performance. Kind mm-hmm. of perfect because mm-hmm. that a, a classically trained actor who is manic and just really, really great at comedy, and he just gets to do both in a way that doesn't suck like Patch Adams. It yeah. he, he can he really makes you laugh and then can like really, really hurt you is depict depiction of whatever mental illness this is well it's it's a i mean this movie it's just so beautiful so i have such specific memories of this movie from growing up my parents i i'm sure watched it more than once because so many of the images were burned into my brain growing up the you know the the red knight that's yeah. chasing Robin Williams, the scene where with the nails where, you know, Amanda Plummer's like, I like your nails. Like there are so many tiny Michael Jeter, basically everything he does. All these images were burned into my brain as a child. Like I obviously imprinted on this movie so hard because I remember it growing up and I had not watched it since I was a child until this weekend. And wow. it was like coming back to like an old friend kind of yeah. so <laughs> many of the things that I saw like activated in me again. And I just absolutely love this movie so much. Like I, and I am not a fan of Terry Gilliam, either his work or his him as a person it's, it's, but I, I, this is probably just the right amount of gilliam for, for you though because yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's mostly me, a beautifully shot movie in new york with yeah. some fanciful elements and it's, yeah. it's just dirty enough it's just chaotic enough like it's just enough gilliam but still has so much heart and so much i mean it's a great meditation on love on on trauma on the way that trauma affects people it still is very resonant um you know the underlying story is that robin williams is someone who is unhoused and is um suffering from some sort of you know obvious mental illness but it's a cocktail of of hollywood mental illnesses including amnesia well trauma induced some sort of trauma induced psychosis and Jeff Bridges plays this shock jock from the radio whose um, persona is very harsh and horrible and basically through his words may have induced someone to do Um, an incel style mass shooting at a restaurant. His right wing Mm. words 
Yes. What do we do? Mm. Just kill these people. Yeah. And- yeah. Well, this was, I was like trying to parse out because yuppies were like a big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously like the late 80s, early 90s when we all start making fun of yuppies because uh, yuppies are the worst. And I was trying to figure out what does he mean by yuppies? Because mm. Jeff Bridges, you know, this stock doc is like, yeah, mm. you go to that stupid fancy restaurant and, you know, just kill all those dumb yuppies. Oh, they're you are the you know, ultimate. He is the ultimate yuppie in this movie. Yeah, you're such parasites. And then you see like his fancy high rise minimalist apartment with his artist girlfriend. And I'm like, what do you think a yuppie? Is? <laughs> but isn't that the point? Like those people yeah. are always railing against yeah. what they actually are because they are not of the people that they are talking to. So, yes, Jeff yeah. Bridges plays a disgraced DJ who ends up inspiring a mass shooter, and he finds out after a chance meeting with Robin Williams that his illness was brought upon because his wife was a victim of the shooting. His radio words inspired. So mm-hmm. I the only thing in the movie that doesn't work is the idea of someone on the radio feeling in any way responsible for the death they've created, especially in the times... <laughs> Of Alex Jones and COVID. It mm. just doesn't just doesn't track. Well, that, that was one thing. I mean, we said like his shock jock persona is a terrible person, but like a lot of the time it seems like he sort of oh, yes. is terrible. I mean, absolutely. Mercedes Rule, who won an Oscar for this and totally deserves it, uh, is that. like, you know, as as his girlfriend who's it does so much to help him. And mm-hmm. just when things start to go back on track, he's like, oh, I don't need you anymore. Mm hmm. A it's really like, heartbreaking scene. It's like, God, I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, you should leave because she deserves better than you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Robin Williams is, you know, running around. He's got this delusion about having to get the Holy Grail. He's being chased by this red knight figure that only he can see, which is like one of the most Gilliam-ish mm-hmm. looking things mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> and also like wants to, is kind of obsessed with Amanda Plummer, who's just like this really awkward girl because she's Amanda Plummer. And... <laughs> You know, and and wants to meet her, and so Jeff Bridges like tries to help him kind get his shit back together, sort of, kind of. Yeah, it's weird to see. I it didn't even connect the dots that Robin Williams and Amanda Plummer were in uh, World According to Garp together. Mm-hmm. Oh, almost, okay, almost ten years earlier. So I hadn't seen this in a long time, and somehow I'd forgotten about Michael Jeter entirely. And I apologize <laughs> to his ghost because he is yeah. the best Liza Minnelli I have ever seen. His he steals the scene yeah. in he every really scene that he's in, like. Oh my god! It like it, some of his stuff actually like moved me to tears a little bit because yeah. Oh, yeah. he's so committed to it. He he's just yeah, it's yeah, just he's... such a perfect performance. Honestly, yeah, he's possibly homeless cabaret. I think he is. I think his character might just be called homeless cabaret singer. Yeah, it is actually. I looked it up <laughs> yeah. in the credits, <laughs> and and yeah, he just sort of pops up at a couple of points, and you're just like, yeah, this guy's got problems, but. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. want to hug him. I want mm-hmm. to be I want to be my friend or pet. Yeah. I can't tell. Yeah, uh, this is Mercedes Rule. Wow. She's she so great. I I hope that some of this was also an apology for Married to the Mob cuz she's so great in Married to the Mob too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And she deserves awards for everything. I love her. I love her so much and this I think is probably my favorite role that i've seen her in honestly like she does it what's she most famous for i mean her name's in face are familiar i just can't might be this or (laughs) lost in yonkers or i mean in some ways she's more of a stage actress so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah but it's 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 a person it's not a declarative statement about how much you like mercedes mercedes rule rules yeah oh she's the mom in big but that means she's not in it very much 
And Amanda, Plum- Amanda Plummer plums. <laughs> did you yeah. enjoy it on this watch, Di? I I did. I forgot. It, it's kind of shambling and meanders a bit. You know, yeah. it really is not a three act structure kind of thing, and that gives it more of an epic feeling mm-hmm. for something that's like two hours fifteen. I think so. It's like, oh, this is kind of long. Big chunks of it I just forgotten about. I forgot that the story kind of goes over here and then it kind of goes over here and then it kind of goes over here. It's more like five or six acts instead of three mm-hmm. that you're used to. That's Problem, right. you know, they try to solve the problem, they fail, they try again, they succeed, kind of straight line that you're used to seeing in a, in a story. My, my, but that makes sense for the type of personalities you're dealing with in this sort of situation. Yeah. And oh my God, there's so many like set pieces that yeah. are so good too. Mm-hmm. The Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, One of the so sweetest, funny. sweetest moments, like just watching them, on, everyone on this double date where it's so awkward and it's so sweet. And, uh, the Grand Central and, Station dance. and Oh, the, that is... Oh. The most romantic Terry Gilliam has ever gotten. And, and yeah, I, I just, it's really the shots of, like, I love, I am a big Terry Gilliam fan. I watched Brazil immediately after this in total <laughs> love. Uh, but all of his movies are kind of contained in giant sets. So, like, the, ter- the Terry Gilliam, the most Terry Gilliam sequences are the Red Knight stuff. And seeing that happen mm-hmm. on streets of New York that I could name given more time, like, it looks so fucking cool mm-hmm. to see this outside so in, in a real city. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, the central his... park scenes yeah. are great. And, and you know, for the longest time before I knew what this movie was, because, again, this was another one of those movies where I had to describe scenes to someone yeah. and be like, what is this movie that is in my brain <laughs> from when I was a little kid? And they finally were able to say, oh, that's the Fisher King. For the longest time, I thought it was a Don Quixote remake ah. or something like that. Because, it, I mean, of course, Terry Gilliam, he always, I think, has a little bit of that flavor in what he does try to make that movie for 20 years yeah yeah he (laughs) obviously has that some sort of obsession with it and so it felt like that to me a lot growing up and then watching it i was like yeah i totally get why i thought that might have been what i was watching when i was little but um this is such a high recommend for me i just thought it was sweet romantic beautiful just also too like great snapshot of 1991 yeah like Mm. very 1991 new york it so much is set in a video store (laughs) which i loved (laughs) (laughs) and and my only real issues with it are the ending is a it's just a little like really just like that everything's Mm. okay whatever fine fairy tale all that in my biggest thing i'm I'm actually mad at it sorry that's the complaint about terry gilliam yeah (laughs) no my biggest complaint honestly my biggest complaint honestly is something I, I've also learned to love, the poster in the box. When I was a I passed this, I would have loved this movie for years, mm-hmm. but it looks stupid. It looks like some weird Godfather ripoff because you can't really see like Robin Williams is in a stapled, tailored suit that's far too big for him. It, it, it's mm-hmm. a much sweeter shot than I ever understood passing it in video stores my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't know what yeah. it was about. It, it doesn't really tell you what it's about before you've seen it after you've seen it it's like oh that makes sense it's about these guys like sort of connecting Mm -hmm. to other people but yeah it's just some guys in a doorway having a quiet conversation it's like yeah why is this yeah this really is like i i was trying to think in my head who could could i recast the robin williams part it's like no this Mm -hmm. is so tailor-made for him yeah Uh, because yeah like you said it can do the the humor and the sadness put together so well and, the, and, and this, just... this childlike sweetness man he's doing it all here it is really yeah. fun yeah I, it really is one that made me miss him mm-hmm. i do think too what you're talking about with the poster 
is probably why it's number one at the box office because mm. I do think that anyone who is like, you know, if Terry Gilliam is not your jam, which I think it's true for a lot of people. Probably, like, it would have been turned off by a Ralph Steadman poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They would be like, oh, that's yeah, not for me. Fair. But this looks like a normal like movie about a relationship between two yeah. guys. Which With two movie stars. Why? Let's go see it, honey. Yeah, and, two yeah. huge movie stars looking a little right. bit different. So maybe we're like into a little. I mean, Jeff Bridges. I love his look in this so much. Like it's, it's so right for Fucking the character. Yuppie ponytail. God yes. damn it! All the clothes, everything. Whoever did all the costuming, just phenomenal job. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I guess it is. That's got to be the way Jeff Bridges prefers his hair. His hair is more often than not that length than not in mm. movies. It's luxurious. It's he's yeah. got good hair. Good, still at this age, unbelievable. Yep. Oh, and he says he's cancer free now. Yeah, he's in remission. And he said COVID was worse than chemo. Wow. So wow. Get age. vaccinated. Wear your mask. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know how many mornings uh, someone in our orbit was unvaccinated and in, has now ended up in the hospital and is now caused pneumonia. This person is 30, 32 oh, and is now in the ICU with like air bubbles and shit all in their, like in a catatonic state at a young age from COVID get vaccinated <laughs> there. Please. I am the opposite of Jeff Bridges in this movie. Thank you. Yeah, Moving on. I want to you to go to a yuppie bistro and hug and kiss everybody yes. because you love them. Yeah, as long as you're vaccinated. Well, um, wear a mask, kiss them. <laughs> uh, moving on to television, holy lord, Fisher King, obviously high recommend from all of us. Um, yeah. Very, very worth seeing if you haven't already. Uh, and it was like the last Harry Gilliam movie I saw before I started not watching his movies anymore. <laughs> um, I was, uh, yeah, I'm so glad I finally did. 1991 television, September 24th through the 30th, Critters 3 star Leonardo DiCaprio has got a new gig. He's been adopted by the Seavers on Growing Pains. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, he cousined Oliver. Mm-hmm. Every show's got to do it. When you start kids and they start growing up, you got to bring in another cuter one, I guess. I don't know. Yes, they brought in Leonardo DiCaprio on the, the final season of Growing Pains. I don't know why. My dad gave me This Boy's Life, the book. Loved it. Mm. And then I saw the movie immediately afterwards. Loved it. And so I, I was a Leo fan from then. But this dude was immediately throwing out Tiger Beat energy the second he hit Growing Pains. It was all over the, the, the chick magazines, and I don't like people pretending that happened with Titanic. He was he oh, is yeah. clearly like a great-looking kid <laughs> and was uh, <laughs> like, I remember like, yeah, I'll watch the show more for this guy. I got a little gay, I got a little gay for Leo. And then on the, on the 25th, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit debuts in 120 minutes. And is this a clip of the Matt Pinfield introducing it? Yeah. Oh, fuck, yes. It's a physical sensation. Oh, Think come on. And a preference made for you and your generation. Think spirit. Come on. Sensation with fragrance is made for you. Think spirit. The harder you play, the harder it works. Team spirit. Just for team Oh, wow. Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, that, I guess that, <laughs> that probably requires some explanation. I, I think people are more familiar with the song than they are the deodorant that's referenced in the title. Yeah, Teen Spirit was a popular deodorant for teen girls that came in smells or, or scents like uh, I think it was Bahama Blast and like Caribbean Cool. Ew. <laughs> and uh, they got the title because I think a friend of his girlfriend who was in Bikini Kill wrote on Kurt Cobain's wall, Kurt smells like Teen Spirit, which is an insult 
to say you're a you're a guy and you smell like this deodorant for 13 year old girls <laughs> it's kind of a damning statement i wouldn't want it said it, about me yeah and he's not like he didn't know it was a deodorant so he thought that was just a great phrase and uh, yeah yeah if you've seen the video there's teenage cheerleaders so like you could mm-hmm. you, you it would be easy to forget this is referencing a long dead brand of yep. deodorant yeah wow tv movie perry mason this week the case of the fatal fashion <laughs> <laughs> Fatal fashion. Come on. Raven Burr, uh, Barbara Hale, Valley Harper, Diana Mulder, and Scott Bayo. Oh. Yeah. I love the crazy cast on these bad boys. Yeah. We are, we're still in the like two year Perry Mason made for TV movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the one I really want to watch, which I saw is on YouTube like multiple times, mm-hmm. is the next TV movie Murder in New Hampshire, the Pamela Wojak Smart story. <laughs> because we talked about what Pamela Smart. What a silly Smart. name. We did? We did. She's the inspiration for To Die For. Right. She got, yes, she got her like 15-year-old boyfriend and his dirtbag buddies to kill her husband. So th- I want to watch these back-to-back because instead of Nicole Kidman, we got Helen Hunt. Wow. That's, yeah. That's a departure. Uh, and Howard Hessman, now I'm in. We want to hear the promo for it? I think we do. Yeah. The story that shocked America is coming Tuesday to CBS. Will you help me? As his teacher, she taught him many things. I'll do anything you say. Including how to murder her own husband. After you kill him, we can be together. You've seen the headlines. Either you're a coward or you never really loved me. I need you. Kill Greg. Now, see what really happened. Don't take my wedding ring. You really really got to see this promo because it looks like Helen Hunt is seducing MacGruber. (laughs) Like... Guy looks like Will Forte with McGruber's haircut. Uh, that is Murder in New Hampshire, the Pamela Wojak smart story. I don't know why I keep laughing at her name. Law and Order, The Wages of Love. Is this the one with Jerry Orbach as a defense attorney confusing everyone? Yeah, it's the, the one random episode where Jerry Orbach, before he joined the cast as a cop, wow. played a defense attorney. So when it's on reruns, it's incredibly confusing. Wow. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> what is Lumiere doing here? <laughs> on the defense Yeah. Wait, wait, what? Um, Briscoe, what are you doing? Lenny, <laughs> don't help that guy. <laughs> and Princesses debuts with Julie Haggerty, Twiggy, and Fran Drescher. What is this cast? This cast is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I had not heard of this. There are three roommates that are living in the big city, and they each are different personalities and different backgrounds. What? No yeah. fun. Okay, it's not the one I'm thinking about, about models, but okay, Julie Haggerty. People probably know from Airplane. Yeah, the mom and Harry Henderson. <laughs> Twiggy, the model from the sixties and seventies, and Fran Drescher before she the, before the nanny. Yeah, and hotter than both both of these women. Yes, especially mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, never seen it. That's freaking bizarre. Um, did not survive. Eight eight episodes, three unaired. Yeah, mm, probably <laughs> so, it's a similar fail. story for the show Homefront. It debuts. It is about a small town in nineteen forty five with Sammy Davis and Kyle Chandler. Um, yeah. Uh, that made it two whole seasons or oh. two chunks of seasons. Uh, mm. I just like pointing out how long have we had Kyle Chandler as a leading yeah. man and nobody cares. Right? <laughs> oh my God. That guy is everywhere and he's the best. I mean, yeah. it or, can, is there a kind better of a death hot sentence. dad energy? No. It's kind of a death not. sentence. Anything he's in. I just get tired of it. Friday Night Lights did great. I have never gotten... It took until Friday Night Lights. I mean, uh, early edition, like, did okay, but it was on, like, Friday nights where they didn't care about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And a show I had to learn about in hindsight. I, I, this is like I always say whenever like The Simpsons was mentioned when I was a little kid in an article, this, the fucking Flintstones has to be mentioned too. I'm like, shut up about this association. We fell in love with a show called The Shield, the guy named Michael mm-hmm. Chiklis, and it could not be ever written about. Like, can you believe that's the commission? Like, I've never heard of the commission. Shut up about the fucking commission. Play a little <laughs> that intro underneath because it definitely triggers a memory. It's so. Oh, a little New Orleans jazz. Stealing that Matlock Thunder. I, my parents watched the shit out of this show, so it really? was definitely, it, yeah. It has a title of something I, I feel like I would have kicked and screamed to not watch. But I, <laughs> I do love looking at Michael Chiklis here because he's much bigger than I think you anybody's seen him in the last 20 years. His yeah. head is not shaved. Most of his hair is gone. And I believe... To hear him tell the story, he's basically survived being blacklisted for playing uh, John Belushi in the movie Wire. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yep. yeah, people literally, including Dan Aykroyd, wanted him like completely out of the business for taking that role. Yeah, this was a big deal for him to get the commission. It went until 1996. So this really oh. was like, the com- for him to get this role is a, is a really... Is he a commissioner a, or a communist? A pol- he's a police commissioner. Oh, I thought it was a much grittier show than I think it actually <laughs> is. And it seems to be actually more of like a not as gritty police drama as I thought it was. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people, this is their first exposure to Michael Chiklis. And I like Michael Chiklis. He's a, he seems to be a good guy. And, too. you know, a great actor. Terrible thing, but a good guy. Um, yep. Oh, and it goes to uh, Teresa Saldana, who. Forgot to mention her. Yeah. Well, um, she's kind of most important for her advocacy for victims of stalking and that she was stabbed by a stalker who became obsessed with her from appearing in raging bull yeah and so yeah that became like a big thing so yeah good for her and uh man so many goddamn debuts to talk about this week this being uh you know the fall season in the monoculture reasonable doubts debuts with mark Harmon and marley matlin Yep, I remember watching this with the folks. Uh, Mark Harmon is an investigator, and Marley Matlin is a lawyer, and they do lawyering stuff. But it's nice. It's like, oh, Marley Matlin is a deaf actress. She can still have a show. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, let her have a show. She's good. People like her. So, yeah, it went a couple seasons. It was all right. And we also the debuts on the 30th of Charlie Rose, the Montel Williams show, the Jerry Springer show, and uh, last but not least, Lee. Delight Millennials. Your favorite Broderbund game is is now out uh, on PBS. And I, 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 I was, I feel like I grew out of the show real fast, but uh, was perfect. Loved it so much. I loved the show so much. I was so into it. I was into all the computer games. You also had Wear and Time as Carmen San Diego, which I loved. Yeah, man, I watched the crap out of the show and loved the acapella theme song. Loved Chief. Yes, yeah. this, this looms large in a lot of millennials' brains for sure. And definitely was one of those shows that really got kids excited about learning and being smart. Geography, which, you know. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, yeah. the fact that it's beloved is, I think, t- really cool, and, and I think it somehow survived what it was adapted from because they, I don't think they really make those games anymore, but they keep making narrative shows with Carmen Sandiego, like on Netflix. Uh, I think they do keep 
making those games. Think so? I, 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 I think it could be a silly little loop. It's yeah, probably an app. Survive. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it just I, it went quiet I for a little out, while. When I found out they, besides having a spelling bee, there is now a National Geography bee. Oh. I am furious. I want to be in that. That's the one I would have been able to do well in, probably because of where in the world is Carbon San Diego. There you go. Ah, why didn't they have that when I was a kid? And they got the DJ from the Warriors to be in the show. Okay, yeah, let's get down to it, Papa. Uh, and uh, so good, but we need to talk about those three talk shows that we just yeah, talked that's about. Yeah, it's pretty much. All right, Charlie Rose ran from 1991 to 2017. That's a long freaking show. And, and it wasn't yes. canceled for uh, for lack of viewers. Uh, no, I mean, it ran on PBS. He was, uh, he's a great interviewer, mm-hmm. but he sexually harassed people. So, mm-hmm. well, you don't get to be on TV so, no more. Not so cool anymore. And then Montel Williams ran 17 seasons, wow. 4,325 episodes. Wow. I, I never saw an episode of the show, but I was a big fan of Talk Soup. And every time yep. I see his name, I think about John Henson, never let it go. That's Montel Williams, also the author of the book, Mountain. Get out of my way. And, and like, <laughs> and, and I, what a silly title for a book. I love it. For, for whatever reason, when I was a kid, I really latched on to Montel Williams. Like, I really liked that show. I, I, he, I he, had, like he has real principal vibes going on. Like He really <laughs> does. And I feel like he was maybe a little step above, like, the normal, like, talk show trash that was going on at the time. Like, maybe mm. he was... Maybe try to do something a little tiny bit more ev- elevated. You, you mean like sure. Jerry Springer, who didn't give a fuck about? <laughs> well, no. all, all I do, I do remember being a little kid and finding out when he, when Montel Williams announced that he had MS mm-hmm. and being oh. crushed because I was mm. like, oh god, Montel Williams is not going to be with us, but he's still kicking around. Microsoft, so, what? he can okay. play Carmen San Diego. <laughs> the, yeah, the Jerry. Springer I think Montel Williams was the only guy I knew that ever talked about male breast cancer. That he oh, was wow. like misdiagnosed with male breast cancer and got surgery and it like messed up his chest and turned out he didn't have male breast cancer. And I was oh like, my God. but thanks for letting me know that there's such a thing as male breast cancer. That actually makes sense. Huh. Okay. But Springer, wow. 27 seasons, 4,969 episodes. And, and then nice. the bodyguard got his own Jerry Springer show. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember back in the day, you was thinking like, well, that's it. The bar can't go lower. Jerry yeah. Springer is as low as the bar can go. No, of course not. Uh, of course not. It can always go lower. But I'd still, I'd really like to read a good article telling me how in any way this show and its popularity was any good for us. I, oh, it was, <laughs> it was terrible for us. I, I just, is there anything good about what this show was? Because it, and no, by that I it's mean, a, it's a, it's a circus sideshow. And by, and by <laughs> that I mean, it's not just that it's a talk show; is that it became a show about fake outrage, and the the panelists were expected to fight, and you could right. even see everyone smiling because it's a fucking act, and it just yeah, became it's professional wrestling. Yeah, it just be <laughs> yes, except it's. You know, being done by real people and not professionals and someone, you know, could get hurt. And it's not, doesn't look good <laughs> either, but it just like, it became so formulaic and I, I just don't understand how this was on for so long. And Ugh. I feel like this I, defined America for like 10 years. Yeah, I I didn't, I always thought, oh God, it's just, it's so trashy. It's so stupid. But, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty of them knowing that they're trashy and stupid. Mm. My heart sank when I saw that, oh, they syndicate overseas. And I was yeah. like, no, oh no, the federal government should stop that. That will destroy our standing in <laughs> the world. Do not let this. non-Americans see this. No, uh, don't let them know what we're like. 
And the only talk show of its type to get a fucking movie adaptation made out yeah. of it. Good That's lord. Um, which I saw in theaters for some reason. And okay. let's not forget the VHS DVD phenomenon, Too Hot for TV. That's where that <gasps> phrase comes oh from. Yes. The Jerry Springer DVD. You could buy uncensored boobies and fights uh, on one VHS for like thirty nine ninety five in the late 90s. Unbelievable. I, I just how this show shot above all the other ones. I mean, I guess it just had to be the... The almost choreographed fighting. There's no that Jerry Springer still gets to poke his head around like as if you're. He's a disgraced politician. He mm-hmm. he paid for a prostitute with a check. That's why he's famous. <laughs> he's not an actor. He's not a television personality. He doesn't really have any charisma. <laughs> Yet, is, I think one of the richest people to ever have a show. And he's really good at pretending to be incredulous. Yeah. That's true. He's really yeah. good at like, oh, I'm so surprised about that. Well, let's get on to our next guest. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And okay. Yeah, former mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah, former mayor of Cincinnati. And then moving on to my word, this is such a momentous yeah. Episode of Saturday Night Live, uh, Michael Jordan with musical guest Public Enemy. I mean, just starting there, that's a huge show. That's insane. But then listen to all everything else that came along with this show. You've got George Went appearing during Bill Swirsky's Superfan sketch. You've got Spike Lee in another sketch. You've got Jesse Jackson on Weekend Update reading Green Eggs and Ham because of Dr. (laughs) Seuss's death. You've got Kevin Nealon's first episode as a Weekend Update anchor. And then this is the first episode for Ellen Claghorn, Siobhan Fallon, and Robert Smigel. Like, what the hell? What an episode, y'all. That was a... a, 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 You know, everyone's rightfully been talking about Norm MacDonald. Kevin Nealon doesn't get enough credit for his run on Weekend Update. And he, he... played it as a straight news anchor. And I think that somehow made it sillier and funnier, especially when, can you believe this was a sketch? Ike Turner would come out and give a presentation and it would usually end with Kevin Nealon revealing he had Tina Turner's skirt on beneath the desk and standing on the desk and dancing. (laughs) Uh, That happened multiple times. Uh, And just, this is, this is a period of SNL I grew up with and a lot, a lot of characters, especially Adam Sandler characters were introduced through update. People mm. like David Spade, who are better at stand-up, are introduced through Update. And they were all with uh, all through Kevin Nealon, and I just man, I love that guy a lot. Somebody was referencing it in the chat the other day. One of there's a video out there of David Spade's Lights Out show that's not around anymore. Mm. He has a weekend update yeah. reunion with Norm Macdonald, Dennis Miller, and Kevin Nealon. Yeah. And to put him through punishment, they make David Spade do his monologue in front of them and allow them to comment. <laughs> And the best, Kevin Nealon never stops asking, is that true? That, that's, that's, that, <laughs> it's, it's somehow one of the funniest responses to an earnest joke. <laughs> oh my God, that is so good. <laughs> it cracks Matt and I up. Every, if we say something exceptionally funny, we ruin it for the other person by asking if that's true. It's... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so perfect. Yeah, and George Wint, I'm get, George Wint, I believe, had debuted in Bill Swarsky's Superfans when he hosted, mm-hmm. but he had to, they had to do this sketch. Again, this sketch was created during a writer strike, and as funny as it is to see Mike Myers and Chris Farley in there, that should have been Bob Odenkirk and Conan O'Brien, hmm. and they somehow thought it could carry over, and 
almost anytime they had an athlete or someone from Chicago, they would bring them back. And I always thought George Went was really cool because that's the first time I remember someone who wasn't hosting coming mm-hmm. back to play a character over and over mm. again. Yep. Jace, uh, George Wentz, I love my favorite bit of tri- his, uh, tri- trivia on him. He's the uncle of today Emmy winner, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, yeah. They are related. Oh, um, and moving into games very, very briefly, because uh, we d- we nailed down the nitty gritty on the release dates uh, in the Patreon show. Patreon.com slash LazerTime supports this show and every other one. But a little, I, I thought this was a funny little statistic. For the year of 1991, Super Mario World and F-Zero are the top two best-selling games. But a new milestone has emerged in video games, and that's the rental market. The mm. most rented game of this year is Sonic the Hedgehog, which if Blockbuster's reporting that it, Sonic the Hedgehog's the most rented game, that means none of those people are buying Sonic the Hedgehog. And there's, mm. people are starting to get pissed. Because uh, well, Anyway. Maybe they're trying it out by renting it, and they like it so much, then they go buy it. No, it's just that, that games emerged from... The opposite of movies, where like you always brought your games home, so people had very few games because they were so expensive, and you, know, you would go mm. rent ones. I'm explaining that poorly. Moving into music, 1991. I I adore me oh, more by Cutting Me Bad. God, <laughs> we're about to talk about what I've seen multiple publications called the greatest day in rock music history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, September 24th, 1991. I love that on this amazing day, yeah, I Adore Me More by freaking Color Me Bad is still number one. <laughs> but uh, let me run through what else we got. The Pod by Ween, Queer by the Thompson Twins, Shake Me Up by Little Feet, Trompe Le Monde by the Pixies, awesome album. Mm-hmm. Waking Up the Neighbors by Brian Adams, awesome album. Bad Motor Finger by Soundgarden, awesome album. Mm-hmm. And three albums on the Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. And usually I throw that in. I don't tell you the ranking. Ooh. Let me give you the ranking. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic is 186. Wow. Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory is 43. And Nirvana's Nevermind, number six. Wow. Yeah. These, those last three, but also Waking Up the Neighbors was a huge album and Bad Motor Finger, massive. But, oh my God, I had no idea these all came out the same day. So the it's... one I was the least familiar with was Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory. Oh. Listen to it. It is phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like, it should pretty much just be called Super Influential. The album is like, mm-hmm. I'm hearing Outcast in there. I'm hearing The Roots in there. Like, yeah, Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory, really good. Huh. But. And oh uh, I can't think of, this is not a way to judge music. It's just a, a stat I remember in my head. I can't think of an album that spawned more music videos than Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. It stayed on the chart for like two and a half to three years. And if you look yeah. at the back of the album, there are 20 songs on it. And like 10 of them, you can, you know, most of the words to. Yeah. The, almost everything ended up as a single. I mean, mm-hmm. it starts with Give It Away, but Under the Bridge, Suck My Kiss, Breaking the Girl, which are all bangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. They, they were, that album was ginormous. And I've heard and then, all of it so much, I never want to listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I was. So I like listened to it as an album just by itself. And I was like, yeah, this rules actually. And never mind. Like, what is there to say? Grunge, grunge has started. Yes. And it, this, I can't believe this became as popular as it did as fast as it did. Like, people were just primed and ready for something that sounded real. Yeah, I don't remember. Just, I, I got I had Weird Al's <laughs> off the deep end first, so I, I, I swear, yeah, I was introduced to Nirvana through its parody. Wow, that that was my first CD, but I, I definitely got into it, and I I love it is the first CD I ever had with a secret track. 
Ooh. You remember this? If you let the, <laughs> if you let the album play, a secret track pops up. Yeah, it wasn't a popular song or anything, but no. uh, but it just uh, a bunch of CDs did that. They it would just you could technically make them play Silence for Infinity, and then the song would come up. You could ne- but you could never intentionally select it. You'd have to fast forward to it. Yeah, the tapes couldn't do. Yeah, but another one was like this had so many singles off it, yep. and it's like how are these all from the same album? Like I. For some reason, I started thinking that like lithium was off of in utero, but no, smells like Teen Spirit in bloom. Come as you are, lithium. Territorial pissing. That's the only one I can. Territorial still pissings. To. <laughs> yep. That's a great jam. Everything else that was on the radio, I can never hear and enjoy again because it was played so fucking much. Yeah. But but I was there for the beginning, or I was there while it was happening, and I was just a huge fan. I'm, I'm still kicking myself. I remember my friends like, "We're gonna go see Nirvana at the Civic Center, and you want to come?" Like. What's seeing a band at the Civic Center? I'm a child, Ren and Stimpy, shut up. And then like <laughs> like two years later, like I had a chance to see Nirvana for twenty fucking dollars in my Podoc town and I didn't do it. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm just I'm I'm underlining all of this because I, I was in high school at this point. Uh, and it was it was really strange how fast this just became the dominant teenage culture. Like, like all you motherfuckers, I remember you being into Millie Vanilli last year. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone wants to move to Seattle. With, with, with your genie pants. <laughs> See him or genie pants. Yeah. Now you're that just, flannel and your stupid backwards hat. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, yes, we're doing Teenage Rebellion again. We're doing real rock music again. Damn it. With guys with long hair and drugs sawing on guitars. Ah. Happy times. Hope you like goatee. And we're going to go out with Smells Like Teen Spirit, because how could we not? Yeah. Like, Obviously. When we're just talking about I Adore Me Amore, like, could you get more different? No. Right. But oh, yeah, that's, I, a, that's a wonderful contrast. Because, again, yeah. I think I always think that Color Me Bad is still kind of had a it is quintessential 90s, but it has an 80s vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Nirvana feels much more like, okay, the, the 90s music. Yeah, this is when I started paying attention to music seriously anyway started learning the names of musicians and stuff yeah um, but uh it's just about every album that i've talked about in this segment i advise go listen to it as a work unto itself don't just be like oh i've heard this so many times like try to clear your mind over the millions of times you've heard give it away and listen to the whole album it's it's a different experience and yeah tribe called quest low end theory just because we're you know a bunch of annoying white people and we don't know enough to talk about it uh i i really gotta throw it out there it's like oh shit that was really good <laughs> I'm going to listen to it again. Wow. All right. Well, let's close out with some Nirvana. And we will be right Nirvana. back. Nirvana. Nirvana. <laughs> After this short break. Stay right there. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't uh, (laughs) carve your pants pumpkins or your Thanksgiving gourd when you're grooming your patch. You know what I mean. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new 
fourth generation performance package. And this season, get 20% off those grooming needs by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LaserTime. Because, hey guys, just because it's the Halloween season, it doesn't mean you should walk around looking like the wolf man. Come on, fellas. There's going to be plenty of sexy costuming afoot, so you got to step up your game a little bit with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The fourth generation lawnmower trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. Plus, it's waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop those worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. This nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. <laughs> Seal the deal with the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, which will have your balls smelling as delicious as pumpkin spice lattes on a chilly autumn morning. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and shed travel bag. Are you ready to fall head over heels for Manscaped yet? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. That's one word, LASERTIME. Once again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. It's a fall ball. Choose Manscaped because your balls will thank you. Coming into 2001 with New York, New York by Ryan Adams off of gold. Was this well-timed? Yes. Tribute to New York? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, chorus is, or I, is, I still love you, New York. So. Is Ryan Adams responsible for 9-11? And, and, okay. All right. Talk to Mandy more about that one. Uh, oh. oh, wait. That's, that's, that's her ex? Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are not good allegations. Uh-uh. Um, and, but the song is good. And, yeah, I remember he was pretty... He burned pretty hot for a little while, Ryan Adams, right? This this yeah. album without a lot of push or gl- glitz or glamour went pretty high, as far as I recall. Never being written about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern Rock Opera by Drive-By Truckers is also out. Bald Head Slick and a Click by Guru. Everywhere in His Nasty Parlor Tricks by Modest Mouse. Love Makes the World by Carol King. Self-titled by Nivea for men. Songs Not in- Nirvana. <laughs> that was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Songs in Red and Gray by Suzanne Vega. Steal This Record by The Suicide Machines. Violent Revolution by Creator and Tenacious D, self-titled <gasps> debut. Yay! Man, I-, I listened to that album endlessly, because at this too. point, with all respect to Fallen by Alicia Keys, which is back at number one for three weeks, I was delivering Chinese food at this point, and would for the next four years, so I was kind of attached to the radio. And more likely, I had to like start coming up with my own shit because the radio was making me crazy, playing every station, playing the exact five songs over and over again. And when that Tenacious D album came out, I don't know if I wasn't in a car. Would I listen to an album more than once all the way through with no skipping? I did that all the time with Tenacious D's album. I'd, I believe I'd already seen them live. I was a huge Tenacious D fan, still am a fan of the D. Yeah. Me too, man. And every now and then, it pops into my head. I just think to myself, I'm always fucking singing, and I'm never fucking stopping, and I'm never going to stop. Inward singing is, like, one of my favorite, like, music jokes of all time. (laughs) There's, 
I, I, I never pull it off well, but I love pretending to be mad at my guy friends because there's a, a line where he screams at Kyle. He's like, you fucking bitch, fuck you. And you like, fucking chaos. Yeah, fuck, like <laughs> calling, calling your guy friend a fucking bitch is like so, it's still so funny to me. It's so funny. It's, it's so good. I mean, the whole ordering the fast food. So basically, I mean, that bit has been done so many times and yet. So I'm spending, and yet. <laughs> I'm spending eight hours a day in my car. With only my my radio to rely on. After a while, I start listening. I'm, I'm like listening to reruns on NPR. Like I already heard this fucking Terry Gross today. Gotta have a smiley rerun. Fuck. And I'm like, well, what's going on on AM radio? And I listened to Rush Limbaugh, and I was mm. appalled at like the just the lack of fact checking. Like this is just what I'm thinking right now. There's plenty of people around with computers who could crush it. And I was and I within two days. I walked into a Best Buy and purchased something out of my league, and that would be XM Satellite Radio, which debuts this week. Yes, you're like one of the first people I ever met who had it, it in your car. It was like, a fucking godsend. All of a sudden, yeah. I'm discovering music on the radio again. Holy what? shit. Uncens- That's not what it's for. Uncensored comedy, uh, talks, great talk shows. I... R.I.P. Fez Watley uh, was listening to Ron and Fez on there. I love those guys back from their Florida days. Um, yeah, I, I was I I loved my satellite radio when everybody else was rocking an iPod. I had satellite radio and I the headphones contained the antenna. So while everybody's walking around with cool earbuds, I have like a goofy <laughs> pin lump on the top of my headphones. You looked like the old guy at the FSU football stadium who like has to listen to the radio while he watches the game. <laughs> I, I know it's um you know blah 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 internet iPod podcast whatever we get it but the idea that making cable for radio to mm. not just loosen content restrictions but the idea that the same person in Montana is listening to the same talk show as the person in Tampa, in Tampa live was kind of a novelty that didn't exist unless you were lucky enough to have something syndicated in your market. I'm sure the ratings are lower than even over-the-air radio stations today, but I still think it's a fascinating concept, satellite radio, and I'm glad it exists. Oh, and old-timey radio shows. God, I love that so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, please, gimme, gimme, gimme a live cigarette read in an episode of Dragnet. I'll take it. Oh, I love it. Moving into the movies of 2000. Say goodbye to XM Radio. 2001, September 24th. Well, yeah, say goodbye to them because they beat Sirius to the market, but they've ended up merging in like 2008. They merged. There wasn't. But but Sirius beat them to Howard Stern. Enough for two companies, I guess. Just one. Just one giant one. one. Yep. Weird to think about. Howard Stern's been on the radio most of my life, but he's been on Sirius most. He's about to have been on Sirius most of my life. Moving them subs. Movies of 2001, September 24th to the 30th. Enigma, Doug Ray, Scott, Kate Winslet, Saffron Burroughs, and Jeremy North. And I've never heard of Enigma. It's a great band. Yeah. I mean, you've seen a version of this called The Imitation Game. Ah. Mm. Except this is even more fictionalized. So it's about the British code breakers in Bletchley Park during yeah. World War II trying to break the Enigma machine, but it is not the Alan Turing story. It is fictionalized for everybody. But there's also like a mystery, like someone disappears. You gotta figure out what's going mm. on. And it was pretty good. Uh I mean, I haven't seen it in a while. Definitely haven't seen it since like the imitation gamer read up on what was really going on or Alan Turing or any of that stuff. But I remember it being pretty solid and the reviews were about the same. It does have maybe the greatest credit of all time, produced by Lorne Michaels and Mick Jagger. 
Whoa. Whoa. Okay. I can't explain that. <laughs> don't ask me how that happened. I don't know. <laughs> Except that Mick Jagger owns an Enigma machine and loaned it to the production. Wow. Oh, because cool. that is exactly the shit I would be buying if I were a billionaire. Of course. <laughs> I want my own Enigma machine. Yeah, I'm going to send like coded messages to my bros. That's amazing. That is amazing. And uh, also out this week, uh, Stephen King adaptation, I believe. Mm-hmm. David Morris, Hope Davis, Anton Yelchin, Anthony Hopkins, and Hearts in Atlantis. Baby Anton Yelchin. He's like 11. Yeah, He's um, a tiny baby. And this is Anthony Hopkins plays a character that's also in The Stand. It's. I think this is. This gets might get a little dark towery, which is very confusing. Oh yeah, dark tower. It, it, there's a bunch of weird overlap stuff. I mean, there. St- Stephen King is in Dark Tower as a character, as <laughs> so it's it's. I've always wanted to get into it. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm, but I'm I'm not the guy you need right now. But I, I got lost trying to understand. So it seems kind of like it's The Shining, but not a horror, or it's at pupil, but without Nazis, oh, or goodness. like. <laughs> Stephen King's gone to this well a couple times where it's about like a kid who's being bullied and his friendship with an older guy who turns out to have like some psychic abilities. <laughs> huh. Really? But, and Anthony Hopkins says like he's hiding from these these it's guys. Specific. Uh, and to keep an eye out for the guys. So there's kind of a theme going with the Red Knight from Fisher King there of like, oh, there's right. guys and they're coming for me. Maybe you can't see them. Maybe you can. I don't know. Oh, okay. But we're, you know, all right fine it's it's definitely been forgotten amongst stephen king non-horror stuff even for sure but yeah like every review is like yeah it's fine it's really pretty all the acting's good that little anton yelchin kid's pretty good he's got a future and it just makes me sad and can't be all it can't all be shawshank Uh, it can't all be shawshank that's once again i i love it's produced once again by castle rock entertainment which is rob reiner's production studio named after stephen king his fandom of Stephen King, they almost exclusively have made <laughs> Seinfeld and Stephen King adaptations. It's crazy to, to be that much of a fan of something. It's like me naming my studio Marvel and only adapting Marvel movies. <laughs> and, and, like, and then, oh, one of, I don't know, I go back and forth on this. Right now, I'm feeling real good about mm-hmm. this being one of my favorite comedies. Big fans of everyone involved Will Ferrell, Christine Taylor, Melody from Hey Dude, getting more work, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller in Zoolander. He's the most famous supermodel on the planet. Now, the Prime Minister must be eliminated. He'll be called upon to save the day. We need your help. He just won't be able to spell it. D-A-I-Y-E. Friday, meet the new face. They're breakdance fighting. Of danger. Ben Stiller. If you find the files, you can stop them. They're in the computer. They're in the computer? Zoolander. Ready, PG. Still makes me giggle. <laughs> them attacking that iMac. Yeah, Zoolander. This is, this is one of the greatest comedies of all time. Yeah, I'll take like, it. Like, wow. bar none. I won't go that far. Yeah. I just, I... I, I I'm there. I, I've always loved Ben Stiller, and I love almost everything he bothers to write and direct. And I love that he's always always comes back to a silly side like this and mm-hmm. i love absurd cartoonish comedies and mm-hmm. it doesn't get more cartoonish and absurd than zoolander brought to you by vh1 films i think this is one of the few characters based on a is it vh1 fashion awards or the mtv yes, movie yes. awards it's okay. based on a sketch from the vh1 fashion awards which then opens the movie like it's the biggest thing that's ever happened <laughs> which just adds to the absurdity of it all honestly yeah, yeah. Like, it has a little ted lasso story though 
Yeah, promotional, exactly. Promotional yeah. gimmick that becomes a, its own thing. It's so silly without going so far beyond the realms of silly. It, it's just silly enough. It's just satirical enough that everyone's cast perfectly. The cameos mm. are fantastic. Ugh, David the, Bowie. The joke. <laughs> The big broad jokes are still funny enough. I think that like they're not too broad and the small, like little tiny jokes are big enough that you can still catch them. Like I feel like you're catching a tiny joke. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't know. I I, I think it's just, I think it's the perfect intersection of broad comedy and, and what's the opposite of broad comedy smart comedy. I don't know. I don't know. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I I, like, I was a big Ben Stiller fan. Always all the way going back to Ben Stiller show. And for some reason, I just sort of skipped this one. Just yeah. I just never bothered. And I finally watched it like a couple weeks ago. And it was like, that was fun. I got some good laughs out of it. But just I, I have do not have that like love for it. Maybe. Wow. I, did I, yeah. Did you see like, the second I mean, one? No. The second one is, is one of those movies that is kind of bad enough to make you feel like, why, why did I like the first one? Oh, Ooh. I don't like that. What's going on, Anchorman 2? It, it's just. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to like i mean there's yeah just because male modeling is already so absurd that and and just to play these guys is just so incredibly stupid in just an adorable way i mean when the guys at the gas station start having a sexy gasoline fight with each other like that yes gasoline. that was freaking museum hilarious. for ants it's so it's so dumb the museum for ants mugatu <laughs> Pretty much everything Mugatu does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the looks between him and his assistant where they're just, there's the whole scene where they're just looking at each other like. Ooh. Dude, Mia Jovovich <laughs> was unrecognizable. Her makeup was so fierce. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah. She was my favorite. I mean, yeah, overall, it, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, there were so many cameos that I know I missed a bunch. Even me just going like, oh shit, that's Donatella Versace. Right. <laughs> like, wait, what? I mean, <laughs> Even uh, Jerry Stiller and Ann Mara. Like, it's so good to see them together in the film together. I loved it. Yeah. I, I I absolutely love this comedy. I still think it's hilarious. I mean, when he goes and goes back to be a minor and he's like, <laughs> and he the black lung. Like, come on. It's so good. The walk-off, the David Bowie of it all. Mm. Yeah. The idea that male models have been every assassin through all time. Yep. Because they're so dumb and they're so persuadable and they do whatever you tell them so you can just get them to <laughs> just, they just get John Wilkes Booth to assassinate Lincoln and then turn to the camera. <laughs> I mean, David yeah. Duchovny having to read, he was like, I literally just explained this. What? Like, it's so good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, there's. it was a lot of fun. I just, I, yeah, I don't know why I was like, yeah, that was fun. I don't have that just love that so many mm. other people do, where it's like, yes, this is one of their favorites. It, I, it definitely hit me at the right time. I mean, I was in high school, and mm. I think I was perfectly primed for this, probably too. Like, hit me right in the right funny bone for a long time. It's to me, it is one of the best I, comedies of all time. I also believe it bears the distinction of being one of the first films to digitally remove the twin towers yes. from their New York shots. Mm-hmm. Yep. Looking at you, the critic never got around to it. I think that's part of it, too. Like, when it came out, I think that a lot of people attach good memories to it because it is so light without being so consciously light where it's like nothing, you know? Mm. (laughs) There's still a little bit of it there. Substance, yeah. Yeah, there's still substance, but it's really 
I think was balm for a lot of people's soul at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny to read the reviews where it's like so many critics are just not ready for it. Yeah. They're just, mm -hmm. they're not ready for a silly comedy. They're just, it's two weeks after 9-11. Mm -hmm. They can't right now. They just mm -hmm. can't. It's too stupid. It's like, well, okay, all right. And this, the, the people who love Zoolander, like me, saw it a bajillion times, like mm. it on DVD, like watching it over and over again. And I think that's probably where it got the majority of this fandom. I don't mm -hmm. think there was a ton of people flocking to the theaters at this point. It's yeah. not number one this week. People were probably not ready for that kind of comedy. But I think in the months following, I mean, you know, the reverberations, as we know, 9-11, like lasted such a long time. People were, we were still all in a pretty bad, scared tense depressed state for so long mm. that when this came out on dvd i think that's really when it got its legs honestly and, and that's when people really imprinted on it zoolander another recommend uh movie i did not get to though is number one of the box office but i've never heard anybody champion it ever again no <laughs> uh jennifer esposito oliver platt famke jensen Brittany murphy scene bean Sean Bean and uh, Sean Bond <laughs> and uh, Sarah's Sarah's crush Michael Douglas. Don't say a word. That's the name of the movie. I need you to help me. You want what they want, don't you? She has a secret, a six-digit number in her head. They have his daughter. Daddy, daddy, daddy. I need that number. You need your daughter back. Is it a telephone number? No. An address? No. It's a bank account? No. Is it a code? No. Is it a place? No. What is it? I'll never tell. Michael Douglas. Wow. I never forgot that I'll never tell. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I did not know it from this movie. Yep. And delivered by none other than Luann herself, Brittany Murphy. This is... You know, it's. I'm surprised to find out it was based on a book because it seems just sort of formulaic anyway. Although insanity, that's totally a theme this week. Every single decade, there's some sort of insanity or I think I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. I don't. Yeah, truly. So Michael Douglas's daughter gets abducted by Sean Bean, who's a bank robber who worked with Brittany Murphy's father. And um, Brittany Murphy's father ran off with the loot and... She's the only one who knows this code number that was like, that's how you're going to get the loot. And so, yeah, Sean Bean kidnaps Michael Douglas's daughter because Michael Douglas is a therapist and he can get through to Brittany Murphy in this asylum. And yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not terrible. Honestly, I rewatched yeah. it. It's very silly. Very, yeah. very, very, very silly. It looks cheap mm. at every turn. <laughs> But I'm a sucker for a Michael Douglas thriller. So, you know, I was entertained with that. I love to see some Brittany Murphy for sure. Well, yeah, this, is, this, Bean, is, this is Bond being in a playing. number one movie like this. She ended up becoming a lead actress. She'd been around in like fourth lead yeah. for years. But like yeah. Brittany Murphy is kind of born, I think, with the success of this movie. It helps. Yeah. yeah. She definitely, you know. And then made terrible what was the films. Last, what was the last thing? I mean, the last thing we talked about might have been Girl Interrupted, where she's, you know, like fourth or fifth build, and yep. she's fantastic. More asylums for poor Brittany Murphy. And, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that I'll never tell. Oh my God, every fucking ad. Heard it over and over and over. And then parodied a lot, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, I hate to see it. But yeah, it's, it's very silly. It's very... Uh, light thriller there's a lot you don't want to think too hard about the backstory or like mm. what exactly they're talking about here but i'm not mad at it i don't think it's like terrible don't be mad at the movie sarah be nice be nice look uh, i'm mad at so many other things <laughs> i can't waste my ire with this yeah this is sort of average of like eh, yeah. eh. and well it, it honestly 
to be fair, it looks so cheap and I'll Never Tell has been so parody that it does verge a little bit into almost like campiness, honestly, because mm. like there's a lot of outdoor scenes that look like they're obviously on a set. And I'm going to reference something very specific. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's kind of in the line that you wait for in Universal when you're waiting to get on the E.T. ride. <laughs> <laughs> a little so. Mere Woods. Yeah, um, yeah. It had a, like a griminess to it. The sort of like we watched seven, but didn't pay attention hard yes, enough. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, not. Mm. And okay, moving on to television of two two thousand one, September twenty fourth through the thirtieth. Undeclared debuts. Well, it's undeclared. Well, it's supposed to be your salve for the cancellation of Freaks and Geeks. Uh Uh, They go to college in the now times. Only one word can describe what happens when thousands of sex-starved, freedom-deprived, hormone-driven teenagers come together without parental supervision for the first time in their lives. This fall, forget about home. I'm in 1016, top floor, because we like it on top. (laughs) <laughs> There's no place like a co-ed dorm. In case you need me, I'll be sleeping on that disgusting-ass little cat right there that Ron puked on the other night. Thanks. Undeclared, a new comedy, Fox Ball. Undeclared. I, I never found the space in my heart for it like I did Freaks and Geeks. But Now, it, it's it, if you loved Freaks and Geeks and you went to Undeclared to fill that hole, you were very disappointed. It's fine. I mean, there's honestly like not that much wrong with it, but it's such a different tone. Oh my god, mm. the tone is so well, it's, it's different. It's more American it, Pie, whereas like there's there's, it a, there's, is. A, there's a sexless innocence in Freaks and Geeks. It's yep. also an hour long show with with spots for drama, and this is just a pretty straightforward comedy. I'm not yeah, I'm really not shitting yeah. on it. It's like it's better than almost every other show that comes out this year. But oh, of, course of course it's canceled yes. immediately. It's Judd Apatow. It's got Jay Borchell mm-hmm. and Carla Gallo in it and Charlie Hunnam. Seth Rogen pops up as one of my favorite side characters on the show. He plays this like fifth year senior, what you know, the guy that comes <laughs> back to the college campus. He's a little too old for it. But this is actually the first time too I was really exposed to Loud and Rain. Loudon Wayne Wright III, who I just love it when he pops up. And he plays the main character, uh, Jay Burchell's father. And he's really, really charming in the role. But yeah, I watched this when I was a freshman in college because I love Freaks and Geeks so much. And it truly left a very little impression on me as far as anything Mm. about it, honestly. Yeah, but you you might, in your house right now, own that yellow DVD and not even know that you have it. So Perhaps. Go check it out. Also out this week, Crossing Jordan debuts. This is yep. a show where people piss off Michael Jordan. What a dumb joke. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what this show is, actually. It was uh, Jill Hennessy's an investigator. Miguel Ferrer is there. Six seasons. It's one of those that's on, like, Friday or Saturday nights on NBC. Oh, so it's, like, murdered. more like a CBS show. You know, mm-hmm. it's an old people who stay home mystery show. <laughs> but holy shit, this cast, though. I mean, it also has Mahershala Ali, Catherine Hahn, My Hollywood Wife, and Jerry O'Connell, and Leslie Bibb all play main characters at various yeah. times during the series so it's one of those like little drama series that you're like holy shit these amazing yep. people were in this thing i don't remember yeah Ooh. it's like oh wait is that oh my god it is yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and also on the network tv tip law and order criminal intent debuts the third law and order the third or fourth there's some failures in there we don't talk about okay. but i mean for all intents and purposes it is the, the third long-running law and order after SVU and Original Recipe. And we just <laughs> talked about it ending because it went 10 seasons. Jesus. Even its yeah. failures 
fucking more successful than anything else. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, D'Onofrio, Catherine Irby, right. and then they would, like, after a while, like, they swapped in, like, Jeff Goldblum was on it, where it was, like, different detectives, like, every couple weeks, it would be a different detective, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Sometimes they show you who did it, though, they pull a Columbo and, like, give you extra information at the beginning that the detectives don't have, and I, I never like that. I, I want to figure it out, too. That's so weird. Yeah, it seemed like that's cheating. That's what I always... That's what I always remember about Criminal Intent that I did not like. I was like, uh, that's not the point of Law and Order. Yeah, but then it's even better that when it's on USA 84 times a day and I pick it up 10 minutes in, even better. That's great. <laughs> All right, good. I don't have to worry about being told information that detectives don't have. And uh, another big debut this week. Alias is a show about a spy. That's an Arrested Development <laughs> reference. Yeah, this show. Alias. My God, it is 2001. I can hear it. Uh, alias, kind of the dawn of J, uh, Double J Abrams. He uh, he had made a bit of a splash on like the WB with Felicity, but this is like this was fucking huge. We are all introduced to a woman named Jennifer Garner, and I feel like I've seen a show on network television exactly like this ever since <laughs> Alias's debut. Yeah, let's do a spy show. Mm-hmm. But with it's got kind of a there's a tiny sci-fi bent that creeps in gradually mm-hmm. that I like that they're all after this you know this device by this ancient mystical dude and it's like adds to the weirdness but yeah freaking great cast on it you mm-hmm. know Jennifer Garner Ron Rifkin Michael Vartan Bradley Cooper first place a lot of people saw him Victor Garber always love that guy I, I could never get into it I, I I don't know exactly why but everybody who is later than me. To DVDs, this is a lot of people's first like binge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the fuck? I could this show is great, and I can watch all of it right now. Yeah, you go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's lots and lots of action and spying stuff, and lots, so many good fight scenes, outfit lots, changes, lots of wig work. Yes, so many wigs. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you know, and yeah, lots of cliffhangers and and that sort of stuff. That yeah, it's it's a good binge that. There aren't a lot of episodes that particularly stick out. It's just sort of the overall thing is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Antisa, like when you're hanging with the crowd that we were hanging with, like, mm-hmm. you know, when I when we first met and became friends, when you would go to the young women's house that we were hanging out with a lot, they would either be a Buffy lady or an alias lady. <laughs> <laughs> like when you saw uh, their yeah. DVDs of TV box sets, you're like, hmm, what am I? I dealing with here oh i'm dealing with the buffy lady okay buffy yeah yeah, yeah. That, definitely or got... i'm dealing with the alias lady and then every now and then you get my personal favorite lady because of my love darby an x-files lady an x-files lady <laughs> I... that's the sweet spot for me x-files lady if you're out there i'm single <laughs> uh or yeah, am i yeah, i like <laughs> alias it has five seasons and it it does one thing. It does a time jump that is such a mind fuck. And yeah. it's such it's such a good dramatic thing to happen. But then the show kind of doesn't recover. That's right. They just the, the last season opens to with like two years missing. Right. Where it's like, oh, she gets knocked unconscious and then she wakes up and it, now she finds out, oh, it's two years later. And like all kinds of things change, you know, like her boyfriend's married and all this other stuff. And they all thought she was dead. And it's like, oh, is one of those like, oh, fuck moments but uh, unfortunately the show doesn't quite get like it doesn't quite get its mojo back but mm. there's a lot of good stuff just yeah it's actiony there's a lot of good action i like and i believe this the story went uh somebody handed a box set to tom cruise and that's why we have better mission impossible movies i think it's a, 
the yeah. thing I might like might like the most about J.J. Abrams, whatever he brought to the Mission Impossible franchise, those last couple movies have been fucking great. That's and yeah, that actually that tracks pretty well. Of like, hey, this guy can do spy actiony stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah, and spy actiony stuff starring a woman. Yeah. What? <laughs> Still not a lot of action show starring ladies, so... And then we get the Star Trek show I know the least about. Star Trek Mm, Enterprise. Running on the UPN network, went four seasons. Not unlike Necessary Roughness, had Scott Bakula in it. And and it's a prequel, right? Yeah. It's a... that I don't know why, but it's just like, ugh. Like, no. I just... I just remember the premise no, for this being like the back is back. Talking about <laughs> Scott Bakula, really, they really did that. Oh I think man, so. I was going to pitch that like for true. my marketing comeback. Yeah, Enterprise debuts, and I remember them talking about how it would struggle, but how frustrating it was because Paramount owned Star Trek and owned the Paramount Network. That it uh, I, I, there were still ways to see Voyager, but you couldn't see Enterprise if you didn't have UPN in our, your town, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. So people had to just wait for the DVDs. Not unlike the Star Trek Discovery now. Never going to get you CBS. Or what is it called now? Paramount Plus. A mountain of content. Get out of my way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've i heard that Enterprise is in some ways it back to basics and that it, it just moved a little too slow for some people. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. I mean, yeah, I don't want my Star Treks to move too fast, but it's really hard to have one that doesn't get real boring. Yeah. More boring yeah. set sequences. I say this, I'm slowly going through Deep Space Nine right now. By slowly, I mean three episodes. But, uh, you know, we have to watch all this shit for the show, man. I warned you about this. I warned you. SNL, this week on the 29th. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and Alicia Keys. And then, but we also have a much more special guest. The last time he was coherent. No, you think he, all accounts say he was always the way he is. Ladies and gentlemen, the mayor of New York City, Rudolph Giuliani. And this isn't even the time he hosted, which he did. And uh, But also, let me skip ahead a little bit. This was a good line. On behalf of everyone here, I, I just want to thank you all for being here tonight. Lauren. You, Mr. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you very much. Having our city's institutions up and running sends a message that New York City is open for business. Saturday Night Live is one of our great New York City institutions, and that's why it's important for you to do your show tonight. Can we be funny? <laughs> why start now? Oh, now I'll be like, excuse me, I have to tuck my shirt in under my balls. Because <laughs> that's how you tuck in shirt. That is just absolutely indelible. I think so many people, when they think about SNL during this time period, that's exactly what they think about is that whole little exchange. But right before this is a fantastic rendition of The Boxer by uh, Paul Simon. Yeah, and this is also the debut of Dean Edwards. Jeff Richards, Seth Meyers, and Amy Poehler, first, yeah, first as cast members. Amy Poehler was in that undeclared promo. Yes, she was. So kind of threw me off a little. Sounds like she had a decision to make, and I'm glad she made the SNL she one. She chose wisely. Mm-hmm. Oh God, the ready for business thing just reminds me of like almost immediately the whole thing. About, you want to be patriotic? Go out and shop. Prop right. up the economy because the right. economy could get fucked by this because all the airlines are screwed. Mm-hmm. I just saw a sketch oh my God. On, on Peacock's streaming SNL channel, and it took me a second to remember, oh, this isn't a sketch they made after 9-11, mm-hmm. and it was the light way they would address things about 9-11, and I think the host is Sean William Scott, and Will Ferrell comes to work with a USA t-shirt and an American flag thong, because mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody was being a little over-patriotic, and like, yeah, what a what a nice way to deal with <laughs> the current situation without bumming us all out. Neat. 
video games of 2001. Don't think you, you were going to get away without talking about video games. It's fucking, there's some really crazy stuff that happens here. This has never lined up this well before, but you'll have to listen to the next segment. For Fantasy Star Online version 2 is out. Silent Hill 2 is out. Which oh. has my favorite song ever, sung by a dog. It's really good. Uh, the fantastic Spy Hunter reboot is out. The driving and sh- while shooting game. Very may sound like that's what all video games were doing, but they very much weren't. It's a very good 3D remake of a very old arcade game. We got X Men: Reign of Apocalypse for Game Boy, also on Game Boy. Dexter's Laboratory, Disaster Strikes, D E E Disaster. <laughs> Final Fight One, a really Fun port, a final fight for the Game Boy, Kessen 2, and Ico. Ico, a phenomenal game from uh, Team Ico. Um, but hey, maybe we'll talk more about that on the video game show, patreon.com slash laser time. Let's head out, of, head out of 2001 with Tenacious D. Man, I Ooh, love Fucker Gently. We got Gently. a choice here. Fucker yeah. Gently. I mean, pick, pick you. your favorite. There's Kilbasa, there's, you know, The Road, Karate. So, Fucker Gently, I'm. Okay, one of the only, I think I've only done karaoke twice. And <laughs> one of the times I did karaoke, I it was in a very small town in Florida with a couple of our mutual friends, Antista. Mm-hmm. And I decided to sing Fucker Gently because I was like, <laughs> I know, I know all the words to this song. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to fucking do it. It's going to tear the house down. I was up there singing. It was great. But once I started singing, I realized for whatever fucking reason, the karaoke screen that has the words on it, instead of spelling out like any of the curse words, it just did the first letter and then like star, 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 like as you were reading it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Like this is my first time doing karaoke, but I do know this song pretty well. So I've got this. So as I was going along, I was like, sing it, sing it. And then I got to this point. I was like, you've got to H blank, blank, blank her. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this? What is the, what is the like, H what word? What is this word supposed to be? And so I just was like, you've got to <laughs> And then finally, when I got back to my seat, I was like, guys, what was that? Hump. They did hump. H blank, blank, blank. They blanked out hump. And it. I thought you were going to get hung up on, on like, and then I'll fucking ball you completely. <laughs> no, I got that down pat. But just ball. I don't, no one uses that, that term. Figure out. God damn it. Someday. There needs to be the lady equivalent of this word. I, we need more synonyms. I want more feminine synonyms, synonyms for fucking, because ball is a stupid one I think we should get rid of. Hump, I don't oh. care for either. I think uh, we should bring ball back. We never hear yeah. that one. I mean, but balling means something different now, Diana. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Add to the confusion. It's fun. Yes. Make it all very confusing. <laughs> throw it yeah. all in jeopardy. It's 20 years since 9-11. Fuck our, fuck our norms. All right. Let's go. And, and, uh, I Just feel like I'm going to labia him so hard. <laughs> oh. You see that little tart? I fucking engulfed the hell out of him. I just... okay. All right. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Uh, nope. uh, Fucker Gently also had a video the, One of the first things I'd seen Animated by John Crickfaluski in a long time Bad guy, mm. great video Ren and Stimpy animation for Tenacious D Which by the way Are now for some somehow popular After their show got cancelled After six episodes Which I loved <laughs> And I believe it debuts yeah. with a Spike Jones video For Wonder Boy I thought it's a great video But let's close that with some D Tenacious D, I believe, named for how Marv Albert once described the defense of a basketball team. 
Oh. They've got some tenacious D. <laughs> but stay right there. I'll tell you what uh, weird video game coincidence we have in the next segment. Yeah, you'll stick, ar- you'll stick around for that, right? Won't you? Won't- Don't go anywhere. Sometime you got to say, hey, I'm going to fuck you softly. I'm going to screw you gently. I'm going to hump you sweetly. I'm on a ball, you discreetly. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 24th through 30th, two kind of dark recommends, uh, one of which is 90 years old, nominated for Best Picture at the 5th Academy Awards. It's a five-star final starring Edward G. Robinson, which is a movie I knew nothing about until I tried to watch every Best Picture nominee and was kind of stunned because it's just coming in under the wire before I think they really instituted the censorship because it gets pretty rough. Uh, it's a movie about tabloid journalism and they're, you know, harassing these people and trying to get a story no matter what and everyone's got no morals whatsoever and it's kind of shocking to think, yeah, here's a movie 90 years old and like, oh shit, they really are sh- like sex and violence and suicide and stuff that you do not associate with classic Hollywood. So, yeah, I'd recommend, especially if you're into Edward G. Robinson, which, who isn't? But the one that I, is kind of an essential, I think, that just everyone should check out is, I believe, turning 60 years old this week. From 1961, it's The Hustler, starring Paul Newman, Jackie Gleason, Piper Laurie. George C. Scott's in there, too. Oh, damn. Is this a, this is a movie. It doesn't even feel like it's from the 60s. It feels like it's from the 70s, because it, it's pretty gritty. And also, pretty frank about sexuality again in a way you don't tend to see from the early 60s it stars paul newman as a pool hustler you know sequel umpty nine years later in color of money uh, which is so family friendly compared to this he's a pool hustler he falls in with uh piper laurie carrie's mom and you know she's kind of a damaged person and he's a damaged person and they sort of support each other but their demons are getting the better of them and george c scott is like his manager who's devoid of morals and damn it's just everyone is firing on all cylinders just every moment of it is freaking perfect great direction by robert rawson yeah if you haven't seen the hustler just you want to see what paul newman could do in his prime absolutely have to watch the hustler 1961 and that's it for this week stay classic They invented champagne They absolutely knew That all we'd want to do Is fly to the sky on champagne And shout to everyone inside That since the world began A woman and a man Have never been as happy as we are Tonight Coming in with The Night They Invented Champagne by none other than Seth MacFarlane, a man who was a huge fan of his own work. Uh, of music is better than words. I don't know. He's a 
I think he's the highest paid person in television right now. He, he had three network shows on the air at the same time, that, like Norman Lear kind of shit. Uh, and they, yep. and, uh, and this is he literally trained himself to resurrect a style of music that he liked. Exactly. And so I, I went through, you know, because he, he loves sort of uh, Rat Pack, Great American Songbook, show tunesy stuff. So I went through and found the, the one that was the silliest as far as I'm concerned. Because Night They Invented Champagne is from Gigi, which is the beloved musical story of a family pimping out their teenage daughter. Wow. And uh, cool. it, it doesn't tie in very well to 302010, but I just wanted to. I feel like I had to mention it somewhere. We just talked about the debut of Adult Swim, mm-hmm. and Family Guy Ugh. revolutionized Adult Swim's ratings. And just this weekend, Family Guy said goodbye to Adult Swim what? forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Disney yanked it back to put it on all their own networks and streaming platforms. And there's a beautiful promo Adult Swim made of all their characters waving goodbye to Family Guy. Yeah. They, they both wouldn't exist without the other, and it's just... It's so weirdly sad to see. Uh, <laughs> no matter how you feel about Family Guy. Before I forget to thank him in person or over message, thanks to J.C. Foster, who sent me a care package of heartwarming old media. I got a vinyl of the Black Hole read-along soundtrack. <laughs> I got a sealed copy of We're Back, a dinosaur story on VHS with an included cassette single that I just need. My only tape player in the house is a Teddy Ruxpin, so I don't know how to listen to it. And Heartbeeps, the Andy Kaufman Bernadette Peters classic on Betamax. Oh, no. I got oh. on Betamax. Uh, thank you. I, lo- I don't know. I love displaying that stuff. And not a lot of people send me shit anymore, so it's always nice to feel appreciated. Uh, thank you, JC. Regardless of how that intro sounded, that is a man who's very much alive. That is Seth MacFarlane, and this is 2011, September 24th through the 30th. New releases include Kicking and Screaming by Sebastian Bach, Neighborhoods by Blink-182, Cole World, The Sideline Story by J. Cole, The Hunter by Mastodon, Vice Versus by Switchfoot, The Whole Love by Wilco, and Metals by Feist. Uh, Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5 is number one again after one week. Wait, is that true? What a fucking... Yes. Uh, we have breaking news. Breaking, Ten years in the making. Breaking news. The first episode of Laser Time is posted, and it's about stupid Star Wars spinoffs. I hate... It's weird to feel like I am I made old internet. <laughs> 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 We've been podcasting for ten years? I thought it was We've nine. We've been podcasting for ten years. Ten years, and, and uh, a few years before that at our old gig. So, mm-hmm. yeah, been in the game for a while. Happy birthday to us. You, you know what... Uh, we want our, we want for our tenth birthday patreon.com slash laser time <laughs> throw us a Lincoln okay but that's that's crazy I can't believe you remembered that we, oh I didn't uh, a couple people remind me and then I had to go back and double check I thought yeah so I thought it was like, 2012 for some reason but yeah to do that episode we were taking it so seriously because we were making a podcast we really liked at our job but our job didn't care about a podcast because it couldn't be monetized yet and we decided to make one on our own and it was about bad Star Wars spinoffs and I don't think we made it all the way through like before we record all four of us must watch the Star Wars holiday special and it was (laughs) it was like it was almost too much like nobody like can we just I don't need to watch this whole fucking thing oh god this sucks Um, (laughs) Star Wars holiday special is a just a different kind of suck. Very, very Dude, boring. It sucks so hard that when the commercials come on, you go, oh, yes! thank God. Yes. Oh, thank God. Oh. Production yeah. with a non-70s eye. This is so great to see. Uh, let's we'll get, get in the movies of 2000. We, I can't believe Laser Time is the biggest news of 2011 this week. Well, the president was arrested for murder, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> the movies of 2011. 
Uh, Moneyball moves up to number one at the box office because it knows what it's doing. It's Moneyballing its way up the box office charts. Also out this week, Allison Janney, uh, Hold Me, Kill Me, Olivia Thrillby, Karen Culkin, <laughs> Matt Damon, Matthew Broderick, Jean Renault, uh, Jeannie Berlin, Mark Ruffalo, and Jay Cameron Smith and Anna Paquin and Margaret. That's a sizable cast for a movie I've never what a heard cast. of. It is a sizable cast for a sizable movie. This is written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan, who did You Can Count on Me in Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is his in-between project that was filmed in, what, like 2004? I mean, it, it took forever to oh. get... because he filmed it all and then he started editing it and he had all these fights with the studio about like you got to bring this in at you know two hours two hours ten maybe and he's like no this is a three hour 15 movie and they're like no it's not like at one point he he brought in martin scorsese and thelma schumacher who does all of his editing to like try to tighten it up come up with something and it's it just ends up so big and sprawling at like almost three hours yeah and it finally got released in 2011 uh, I believe it has a Criterion edition. Hmm. I did not get to it, and I feel bad because yeah, Kenneth Lonergan is a great filmmaker, but uh, his movies are stone cold bummers. Mm. And this is also a stone cold bummer because Anna Paquin plays a teenager who's like flirting with Mark Ruffalo's bus driver while he's driving, and he runs over Allison Janney, what? and she feels responsible. <laughs> Which you should. Don't you dare kill that national treasure. And also, like, she's flirting with her teacher, who's Matt Damon, and she has problems. And it's, you know, investigating the moral dilemmas and quandaries and the guilt and all that stuff. And, you know, if that's the kind of thing you're into, I'm sure you'll love it. We have a lot of movies this yes. week for 2011 that most of them are fantastic, but most of them are stone cold bummers, too. Mm. So there's only so much I could take. Not this one. The next one was such a surprise. I almost want to like talk about all the bummers first and get around to it, but we can do it now. I I love it. Just it's it's the perfect time to watch it again. I had no idea it was ten. Katrina Bowden, Alan Tudyk, got two fucking dicks from this guy, and Tyler Labine and Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, Excuse me, Katrina Bowden, Siri from Thirty Rock, and also Bobby Bowden's granddaughter. So. Wait, is you Saint Bobby? Yeah. Oh, Saint Bobby. I no, no idea. R.I.P. So Siri's been walking around in my hometown, and I just never knew this. That's disappointing. She's very pretty. Uh, but Tucker and Dale vs. Yeah. Evil is one of the most clever horror comedies I had mm-hmm. seen in a while. Amen. I had it. Truly is. I hadn't seen it. I think I got it confused with John dies at the end for a while. Finally mm-hmm. watched it, and I was like, I'm so happy right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just two. Two poor fucking rednecks who end up stumbling upon every single horror scene in a horror movie. So all of these poor hunted children think it's Tucker and Dale committing all these evil acts, but they're just backwoods, night fishing, perfectly pleasant. They're just trying to enjoy their vacation home. Minding their own business. Yeah. Yeah. And this... Right, so these rednecks live out in the woods, or they want to fix up this vacation cabin, which is spooky and creepy as fuck, and a bunch of college students come up to party, set, you know, the same setup as, you know, Friday the 13th or mm-hmm. any, you know, any, any other horror movie, and they think, oh, these, gotta look out for the hillbillies out here because, you know, they're serial killers, all of them, and they keep accidentally killing themselves, and then their <laughs> friends find their body and figure, oh no, the hillbillies done it, and think they're like at war with the hillbillies yes. poor tucker and dale just think maybe 
Maybe these college kids are in a cult and they keep killing themselves. <laughs> oh, it's my God. So cute and so funny and like weirdly heartwarming. Like, yeah, yeah. Just beautiful friendship situation between the two guys. <laughs> yeah. Every time a death happens too, like I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Because it's shocking when it happens because these people are like actually committing suicide like. right well it's just it keeps being these accidents you know yeah. where i think definitely the best gag in the movie for me was alan tudyk is like chopping up something with a chainsaw and accidentally saws through a beehive and the bees start attacking him so he just starts running around revving this chainsaw waving it because bees are attacking him and they see it and they think oh god leatherface is coming after us and run away and, then, and someone gets impaled because mm -hmm. they weren't looking because they were looking at the chainsaw mm -hmm. like okay <laughs> I, I love that I, I can see how that happened yeah it's like it pairs nicely with like cabin in the woods as being a, a yeah. self-aware kind of horror movie yeah mm -hmm. but it has but has really like sufficient gore and sufficient yeah. giggles it's truly a, just a wonderful film and I, I don't know where I, I I remember I saw it on it was one of those early like Netflix successes I don't it was gotta, on Netflix for a jillion years it came yeah. out it came out last year and kind of slowly went around to festivals and I'm not sure found a, a home or a studio willing to re give it a wide release but like most of us discovered it it was one of the first movies I remember discovered via streaming that just like everybody should see this Tucker and Dale versus evil yep um, written and directed by Sally Field's son is it yeah. all right yeah with a grant from canada <laughs> but, okay yeah it went around to so many festivals that it was still doing festivals after its official release date wow wow like it just could not like why wouldn't anyone buy this and just put this out god I, i'm shocked there's not a sequel i really am uh there i guess he was talking of tucker and dale go to yale yeah tucker and dale go to yale that would be amazing wow and then some more serious movies i really fucked up here i have always meant to watch this film me too but i i mistook it for jeff nichols movie after that midnight special which is fucking awesome and michael shannon is in it too but uh, i mistook it for a rolling stones documentary that's <laughs> that's that's a, so... that's a demand for shelter give me give me uh lisa gay hamilton uh ray mckinnon kathy baker Katie Mixon, Shea Wingham, Hometown Hero, um, Jessica Chastain, and Michael Shannon in Take Shelter. Oh boy, yeah, this is continuing on the theme of "Am I going crazy?" <laughs> this this was a hell of a movie. Yeah, Michael Shannon is just just a guy living out in the country with his wife and his deaf daughter, and he starts having these visions of an apocalypse and horrible things are coming. And his mom had mental health issues, and he can't. He he kind of figures. I might be going crazy, but I'm pretty sure these are real. So I'm going to hedge my bets and start, you know, building a storm cellar that we can survive in. But just this constant doubt of like, I don't want everyone to know why I'm doing this because since then they'll lock me up. It's he is amazing. In it. <laughs> oh I, I, my God. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm always amazing in everything. I mean, I'm I Michael mean, Shannon. Michael. he's like he's always very quietly intense yes. and this is just it should just you know michael shannon is quietly intense comma the movie I, <laughs> I i would not be shocked if i learned that the coen brothers grew michael shannon in a lab <laughs> yeah he seemed I, I don't know why he hasn't done more with them oh my god oh it is it is outstanding but yeah it's another one who's like i guess not bad for spooky season in a way like yeah 
because I guess it's kind of a psychological thriller, sort of. The, the next know? movie I think might be bad for spooky season because it, it, it deeply disturbs Ooh, me on a yes. level to where I no longer want to breed. Uh, Ezra yes. Miller, John C. Riley, and Tilda Swinton, and we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, I would not recommend this for spooky season. Yes, mm. it's it's too real for spooky season. Deeply disturb, deeply disturbing in a mother kind of. What if you are raising a serial killer? And signs start showing up when they're ten years old. And mm-hmm. what if, you, what if this kid is sadistic and insane? I didn't remember it being the. Is it the Flash kid? Flash? Yeah, it's the kid from Flash. I, yeah, I've not seen it. I saw it so yeah. long ago. Yeah, there's another theme: the the mass murder spree, like Fisher King, and and just the feeling of you know she's ambivalent towards him as a kid, like a little little kid, mm. but he's also acting out, and there's the feeling of like, am I responsible for this, or was there something I could do? Or, you know, was this kid born bad and that's why I was ambivalent or angry towards him? Like I knew he was a bad seed or did I cause it? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. We just talked about Tilda Swinton in the deep end like a couple of weeks ago, which is sort of a breakout for her, mm-hmm. where she's someone who worries her son killed someone. And this is thinking that her son might kill someone, but <laughs> also being in denial about it, but also not knowing what to do. Yeah. And then and then he kills a bunch of people it's it's, it's i find it mostly weird it's like one of the most one of like the few normal roles tilda swinton has ever taken like she's a mom in a very disturbing movie in a very unique movie that it just but yeah it's just her natural hair and <laughs> just a regular mom yeah, yeah. she's married to john c Riley for crying out loud this is normal as you get who won't marry me I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> This has been on my list to watch for a little while because I was so intrigued by the subject matter. And it's also, it's based on a book written by Lionel Shriver, which, so I've actually crossed this off my list of things to watch and read because Lionel Shriver has been criticized recently for some pretty not great views on cultural appropriation and how... Uh, appropriate it is and she seems to think that it is very appropriate and everyone can do whatever they want to do when it comes to cultural appropriation which i don't personally agree with um well she also i think was... it depends is there money involved <laughs> well as an american i'm taking it yeah so yeah i'm not surprised that this is rough i think lionel shriver is also known for writing kind of rough novels when it comes to these sorts of issues just emotionally kind of rough novels i read a couple of her things and i'm i'm pretty much good with her so this might be one that i just cross off the list then based on this review that i'm hearing now yeah it's no i mean it's it's a fantastic movie yeah yeah i mean this and take shelter are both fantastic movies that i do recommend but be warned disturbing yeah that they are going to make you feel uh off put yes Mm. i want to be i want to feel on putting Stop trying to make on-put work. Uh, It's not going to happen. Anthony Mackie, Martin Freeman, Mike Vogel, Thomas Lennon, Andy Samberg, Chris Pratt, Zachary Quinto, Olivia Jackson-Cohen, Joel McHale, Ed Bigley Jr., Blythe Danner, Ari Gaynor, Chris Evans, and Anna Faris. And what's your number? What is this? Uh, This is a rom-com where Anna Faris gets it in her head from, like, Cosmo or something that, like, if you've had sex with more than 20 guys, you're never going to find your Mr. Right. So she's had sex with 19 guys, and so she thinks, well, one of them was probably the right one. So then she starts going back, looking at her ex-boyfriends. Wackiness ensues. And that's why you got such a great cast, because everyone has to show up for one scene. Mm -hmm. I hope it ends up being her Mr. Right as Egg Begley Jr. That would have been so cool. Drive a solar-powered car into the sunset. But that's probably her dad. 
probably. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you it's probably not Zachary Quinto. <laughs> no. Turns out, nope. Right off the bat. Could have told her that, too. Yeah. Um, turns out it's not Chris Pratt, either. Ooh, snap. Double Ooh. time. Ooh, yeah, goodness. the reviews of this, honestly, are pretty rough. I did kind of want to go see it to see, like, okay, how angry can I get as a Killjoy feminist? And that's just too fucking much for me to watch. I'm going to watch a bad rom-com. I'm not doing it. It's too bad because I, like, I really like Anna Faris. I think she's very funny. But mm-hmm. no, we had we had a better, arguably, rom-com to talk about later. Oh, Jesus, there's so many fucking... What's happening this week? There's so many movies out. There's just so much. Also, Okay, let's just blow through this one real fast. Courageous, Courageous. with uh, Alex Kendra, Ken Bevel, and Kevin Downs. Uh, it's a Christian movie, mm-hmm. but it's seriously like the, one of the highest grossing movies that we're talking about this week yeah it, there's there's really odd statistics there's like christian these christian and mormon movies most people mm. probably don't know what they are but those people still go to theaters and their per theater average tends to be like twice what avengers would be because people will go see those for a long time because yeah. their priest but, tells them to yeah but there's you know three three different cops and then they confront life's problems like you know someone's kid dies and someone's got drug problems and, and it turns out like the answer is being more dedicated to your family and prayer yeah it's, it's always yeah. the answer i did see it says from the creators of fireproof which i did see and that's uh, one of the worst films ever made mm. and all of these movies at some point the bible becomes the answer it's so strange it is so yeah. strange they're not even i feel like they're not even trying to persuade anybody new yeah it's it's very very cult-like because it's not enough to do something and free yourself it's to believe that if you believe mm. then good things will happen instead of going and doing good things. <laughs> Why is this a mystery to me? Elias Cotes, Mar- Martin, oh God, I'm so tired. Ray- Suckus. Suckus. Uh, Rachel Wise, <laughs> Naomi Watts, and Daniel Craig in Dreamhouse. Once upon a time, there were two little girls in a house. You live here and you don't know about the murder. How could the neighbors not have said anything to us? What happened that night? You don't remember. Everybody who lives in this house gets killed. Aw. Come here. Let me me pinch your (laughs) cheeks. Oh, my hand went right through your face. I picked an ad that did not give away any of the twists because there were some that fucking did. Really? Boo. Does that mean we're not going to get... uh, No, we shouldn't give them out. I I didn't see it. I feel bad for movies that are 10 years old, but then like the reviews were all pretty rough. Mm. Like... Yeah, right. Daniel Craig and Rachel Weiss and their kids live in this house and spooky things are happening. And he's like, what? And then it turns out, oh, no, there was a murder. A guy murdered his whole family in there. And he's like, what? I'm going to go find out what happened. Wait a minute. I did it? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate it when I'm investigating a murder in my house and I find out that I did it the whole time. Right. I God. did it. This sounds I like a shot. conflict of interest. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> so, like, oh, it turns out, oh, he got shot. He doesn't remember anything. And, oh, but then, like, oh, is Rachel Weiss and the kids like a ghost or are they just like delusions? And, oh, maybe it turns out he, he didn't do it after all. And now he's got to find the real killer. And um, it's they're trying so hard with the moodiness and the atmosphere. And just, yeah, couldn't get to it. Did Kind of didn't want to, even though it's spooky season. Right. But it's, you know, we, I had to get, again, I had to get started on this week like weeks ago. Yeah, there's two. Uh, uh, 
yeah but no the, i mean the reviews were pretty rough so yeah. and and mm. lastly this week uh angelica houston bryce dallas howard anna kendrick seth rogan and joseph gordon levitt in uh 50 50 you have cancer they found it yesterday they found it yesterday who found it my cleaning lady found it in the back of my jeans who do you think found it you're gonna be okay every celebrity beats cancer tom green got from dexter lance armstrong he keeps getting it you really think that a girl's gonna go for me just because i have cancer yes great song totally i have cancer i was wrong nice it was it you. was weird it's yeah. weird like that 50 50 rated r nice head can i touch it you can do more than touch oh, yeah. it I don't know. Uh, I saw this a while ago. It didn't. It didn't do much for me, but I thought it was fun, and I'm glad it existed. Oh, it did a lot for me. Yeah. I yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I enjoyed the crap out of this. I thought it was so funny when it was supposed to be funny. So heartwarming and sad and poignant when it was supposed to be poignant, without going overboard to the point of schmaltzy or maudlin. Yep. Yeah. I, I was pleasantly surprised you know uh jgl plays a guy who finds out he has this super rare cancer and he's got a 50 50 shot of of surviving it and you know seth rogan's his buddy and bryce dallas howard's his girlfriend and i kind of want a whole other movie about her situation mm. because i found it like the the movie treats it a lot meaner than i maybe would have wanted because like they they it seems like they haven't been dating too long like it's not like they live together she has a drawer at his place mm -hmm. and you know he finds out he's got this cancer and he tells her like you can bow out i understand you don't want to have to deal with the chemo and everything and she's like no i'll be here because like what else are you gonna say you're gonna feel terrible if you say no but then of course she ends up cheating on him spoiler mm. and it's like but i understand why she would do that yeah some people like, like boys without cancer but or, or just like it's it's so hard it just wears on you so much that you would like and then a guy starts flirting with you you would sort of be like okay i feel better now this is how like i don't know that this i feel like a normal person i can forget about the cancer stuff for just 10 minutes or whatever what and if it's you, like, what if you can't be alone you're dating someone with cancer you don't want to plant some seeds out there some contingency plans yeah it's, it's like that that's such a tough because i sort of <laughs> understand i'm doing that now in case i get cancer <laughs> <laughs> But like, also, I mean, I mean it's ter like it's terrible to cheat on anybody, especially mm -hmm. the guy with cancer. But it's also like she, you know, she was given an out, but she would feel like shit if she took the out. That yeah. makes her a worse person in my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah, because she she's not like being a grown like he is offering her the adult solution to this is like, look, if you can't handle this, I get it. It's fine. Get out. It's OK. Mm -hmm. Like no harm. No, you know, no issue here. And then she's like, no, I'm going to be the the righteous person and then get all the like emotional clout that goes along with that. It's like, look mm. at me. I'm the one that has the boyfriend with the cancer. And <laughs> yeah, then like makes it worse for him by but, cheating on him. Yeah, but we don't see time. her. We don't see her going like pretending that she's, you know, such a special martyr person. That would have been interesting. Yes. I mean, we don't I see her doing it. I feel like, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I've had a bad feeling in my heart towards Bryce Dallas Howard for a long time, and I never knew why. And I think it's this movie, honestly. I think we're figuring it out right now because sure? I remember thinking, like, what a bitch. Like, just <laughs> if you can't handle it, that's fine. Please. Be an adult. Yeah. Please just don't like, make. You know what? 
I think we're better off being friends. I will, I can be here for you for your illness as a friend, but like as a partner, this is yeah. not something but, I can handle right now. But some people just can't admit that. Like they, some people are fine. It's like, you know what? Nope. This is beyond my pay grade. I'm not going to be able to do this, but uh, they know yeah. that's a bad thing to say. Like you want to think I don't, that I don't you're how, strong enough as a person. And I, I don't know how you could aren't. take that. Who could, t- I, you, I couldn't take that out even if I wanted it. Hmm? That's I could what out to like yeah I'll bail on this relationship I'm not ready to deal with someone with cancer yeah it's I, just I just know I wouldn't take it but I want I would want to mm. but you know? when someone's offering it to you and saying we're adults here and I'm offering you an adult option mm. here take it take right. the adult option this like is, if, is, if you can't if you these if, are situations that are born out of rational decisions yeah. It, yeah, exactly. No one wants to think that they're, you know, the weak puss who just can't deal with anything real. And then, am I but, the weak puss? But he <laughs> should know that she is because she drives him to like his first chemo appointment. She can't even come in the hospital because it's like bad vibes. Oh, yeah. And it's like That's he ridiculous. should break up with her at that point. <laughs> but yes. He still wants to think the best of her, you know? I, I understand. I, and I love that just, yeah, I've never seen that come up in a movie. You know, anytime people get sick in a movie, everyone steps up and, you know, becomes better for it and it's like nah nah so it's just not this is not for life coaching cancer fucking sucks and some people can't deal well and that's what i love so much about this is that seth rogan as his best friend like doesn't know how to deal with it but is trying to do the best he can and in doing the best he can is doing the best like you know like he's he's truly there for him he's truly like by giving him everything that he can and not knowing what he's doing most of the time, but just the the sheer fact of being there and having the depth of feeling behind what he's doing, that's yeah. more important than being like, yes, I'll be here for you. And then actually being a piece of shit. Like, yeah. And yet Seth Rogen is also being a piece of shit because he's like, he's seriously picking up chicks with the, my friend has cancer line. Yeah. But that doesn't like <laughs> actively hurt his friend. That yeah. just like his friend wants, like th- that's okay. That's part of the fun. Yeah. Someone has just, to pick up the yeah. chicks. Someone mm-hmm. has to pick up the chicks. Might as well be cancer boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, I, I just absolutely love this movie so much. I cried my fucking face off when i saw this in the theaters like it really did a number on me in a good way like it it just the friendship the depiction of friendship and this was written by jgl Uh, had a part in writing it right i don't know i think it was from the guy who was a writer on the ali g show with seth rogan the oh okay real life experience but this is yeah this is like based on a real life okay yeah Will Riser, right. yeah, was, was the screenwriter, but yeah, mm-hmm. par- partially autobiographical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I was. Uh, that was another one. I was like, I'm pleasantly surprised because I thought, for some reason, I thought it was a lot heavier than it turned out to be. You know, I mean, obviously, someone is pretty young and gets cancer and is going through it. I didn't expect to be laughing so much, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. also pretty heartfelt. It's also it's not you know slap happy. Yeah, it's like gets into some it, real. It made real a lot of shit. top tens lists of the year. I, I don't know what was wrong with me. I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe I, I expected a dirtier Judd Apatowy comedy. I think it's a really good depiction, though, of like what actually happens when tragedy like this strikes someone. Is mm. that like it is super sad and it's also depressing, but there are also funny moments. Yeah, and there's and like there a, a also, billion moments like, between diagnosis and hospital yeah. bed that don't ever yeah. get depicted. And, yeah, you know. Oh yeah, the scene with the. Uh... <laughs> He goes into chemo with uh, Philip Baker Hall and Matt Frewer, and they give him too many weed cookies, and he's just, <laughs> just walking out of the hospital laughing at everything. <laughs> that, was, that was really fun. 
50-50. Another, another solid recommends. So, yeah, 50-50. There's a lot of recommends this week. Decent yeah, week. Because we're going eight hours long, so I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> TV 2011, September 24th through the 30th. Pan Am debuts, starring Margot Robbie and Christina Ricci. That might have been my favorite publicity stills I've ever seen because mm-hmm. there are few things more beautiful than those two women in old-timey airline outfits. I don't know what it is. I very rarely let you into to what my thing is, but that's it. <laughs> really? uh, Margot Robbie and Christina Ricci dressed as 60 stewardesses. Yes, yes, they're both. They're, it, it, I remember these came out and like, good Lord, this is like the first like non-penetrative thing that's ever done anything for me since <laughs> since I was like... <laughs> That's God. That's that's. I remember it. I was like happy to see it pop up here. Can't wait to tell everybody about my yums. Don't you up them? God, I am so afraid when we talk about catch me if you can. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sexy stews all over that one. mm -hmm. Yeah, Pan Am definitely. I remember more for the marketing campaign than the show, which I think was just a blip anyways, like yep. did not last one very season long. wonder. Yeah. Now when it went half a season, it was critically acclaimed and none of people watched it. And there mm-hmm. you go. But I appreciate them being like, well, Mad Men's a thing. <laughs> That's right. They, Cause they eventually went lady whole, Mad Men. whole hog know. with like a playboy show. Didn't they? that definitely feels like how it was marketed. Yes. Lady yeah. Mad Men. Yeah. Uh, Heart of Dixie debuts with uh, yeah. Rachel Bilson and Jamie King. I know I've talked about Heart of Dixie before, but I saw a debut, so I just needed to bring it up again because this <laughs> fucking show is so good and it's so charming and I love it so much. And it's basically Doc Hollywood, but with a lady doctor. A lady doctor, you say? Yes, a lady doctor. Impossible. What? They exist. It's Rachel Wilson. She's like a big city uh, surgeon and then due to circumstances has to come back to this small town and become like a small town family practitioner and basically be a doctor for this small town character type people. And it's very Gilmore Girls. It's very, like I said, Doc Hollywood. It's very sweet. It's very fun and way smarter and uh, more enjoyable than it has any right to be. So I absolutely recommend it. Mm. Okay. Um, and also this week we have the debut of Anna Gostara, Jane Levy, and Jeremy Sisto in Suburgatory. God yeah, damn, is this yeah. another show I heard something heard great things about and never saw? Terrible name, by the way. So hard to pronounce, but a really fantastic little show. Like, really yep. loved it. Like to see Jeremy Sisto in a non-creep role, mm. which is rare for him. Yep. Um, and this is the first time I saw Jane Levy, who I just love her every time she pops up. She's, I think she's such a great actress. Just a, a fun little show about this father and daughter who moved from the big city to the suburbs and their hard time kind of adjusting to it. And it's super smart and super cute. And yeah. I, I really like this show a lot. I wish more people had watched it when it came on. Yeah. All and, right. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll check it out if we don't have 38 movies to do next week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or th- multiple SNL season premieres like this episode with your host, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, go guess the radio head. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember anything from this episode. <laughs> Except I mean, what, this is the like 67th time that Alec Baldwin has hosted. At yes, this point. and so and Steve Martin appears in the monologue. That this I know. On the 28th, oh no, the 26th, we have uh, How I Met Your Mother with the Ducky Tie. Yeah, so How I Met Your Mother we brought up before so many times because one of the best things about this show is its commitment to series long in jokes, season long <laughs> in jokes. Like it will 
do callbacks to seasons before when they're in their like fourth or fifth season or whatever. And so the Ducky Tie is such a great example of this because it is an episode wherein Marshall and Barney make a bet where Barney really wants to touch Lily's breasts because they're huge because I think she's pregnant at this point. And so they make a bet that they go to this like hibachi restaurant and Barney says he can do all the same like hibachi tricks that the hibachi chef can do. And of course they make a bet about that. So if Barney wins, he can touch Lily's breasts. And if he loses, then he has to wear a tie that Marshall's been wearing that has rubber ducky pattern on it that Barney <laughs> fucking hates. And spoiler alert, Those after are not a, equal prizes. <laughs> well, after a great episode with a lot of flashbacks and, and flash forwards and all kinds of stuff, Barney ends up losing and he has to wear the ducky tie for a year. And then for this season, you see that ducky tie in almost every episode. Like they really, really commit to it. And I just, I just, yes, How I Met Your Mother has some issues. It's definitely a multicam sitcom with a laugh track. Eh, some things are not great about, it, but God dang, their commitment to those kinds of jokes, I just have to admire. Nice. But next up we've got the season two premiere of Happy Endings, Ooh, Black Snake, Snake Home, Home, where Penny moves into a new home that she just buys and she declares that the year of Penny and then quickly finds out that it may not be the year of Penny. But this episode has one of the best cold opens I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. It is so good. It is basically the whole friend group kind of celebrating what would have been the one year anniversary of Alex and Dave's uh, wedding anniversary if they had gotten married, which was what started off the entire series. They didn't get married, so now they're in this like honeymoon suite, the whole group together, celebrating together that this didn't happen, but we're still going to celebrate anyways, enjoying a seafood tower, and chaos ensues, and what happens during this cold open is some of the best like chaotic ensemble physical comedy I've ever seen in my life, and so I pulled a clip from it, but I don't know how much it'll translate like audio-wise, you just have to see it for yourself. Again, another example why Happy, Happy Endings is one of the best sitcoms ever made. It really was. I discovered it mm -hmm. through this show. There's that mm -hmm. clip. Actually, why didn't you get these pre-shocked? This is so much work. When shocking an oyster, you really want to make sure that you get in there. These oysters are from the northern part of Oregon. I remember that scene very God, getting a, a tower full of seafood thrown on you when you're allergic. Yeah, I was so happy to see this show up too because there's been a lot of stuff going on recently in my life, but finally I have something to celebrate. So Sam and I are getting a seafood tower this weekend to okay. celebrate some stuff that's been happening. And I'm really excited and I hope I don't get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, on Parks and Rec, Ron and Tammy's. We meet oh. uh, our second Tammy, which is Tammy. Oh, no. She's near. <laughs> She's near. And you know what? Multiple Tammies are near because this is basically the showdown among all the Tammies. You got Tammy too, Megan Mullally, but then you also have 
Tammy one, Patricia Clarkson, but then we also get Tammy original Tamara played by Paula Pell, which is Ron's mother. And it's when Leslie gets into a drinking contest with Paula Pell and they're drinking moonshine and chaos ensues. It's such a perfect little episode. I just love it so much. And one of my favorite parts of it is when Leslie is so drunk from moonshine and she's got like a little tiny uh doll that came from like a, a king cake and she just holds up <laughs> to the camera and is like what is this what is this <laughs> i just love it so oh. i had to shout it out because it's so good oh, that's yeah. a funny week funny week and paul yeah. pell paul pell is a gift from god she is one of the funniest people on the on earth so love to see her and stuff yep all right and then oh my goodness there's uh video games of uh, 2011 September 24th to the 30th. Whew, so many, so many, too, almost too many to mention. But I, I, I got to tell you about FIFA 12 and Pro Evolution Soccer. <laughs> Resident Evil Code Veronica X is released on PS360. X-Men Destiny, a long and gestation X-Men game that I, we have a whole laser time devoted to some of the behind the scenes of that from someone who worked on it. We got Ultimate Worms. The Binding of Isaac is 10 years old. So even the young yep. among you can feel... Oldest Pissed, Katamari Amore, a Katamari game I've never played, but I really like the remastered version, and a game I've never played with the greatest name, Wizorb, Wizard and Orb, <laughs> combined together. But the thing I was teasing earlier in the show, 10 years after Ico came out, almost to the day, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus Collection, HD remake, remaster, excuse me, comes out, it's re-released 10 years to the day, because it, it was becoming a little rare. I goes out again. Hooray! And Shadow of the Colossus, two of the best games of all time. Go play them. We will talk more about this on Patreon.com slash LazerTime with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. But first, we're going to tell you who died during this period, and we're going to have a little birthday quiz on who was born. But I got to tell you about Patreon.com slash LazerTime again, because I forgot where I was in my plugs. But how about fuck that? Check out LazerTime's tribute to Norm MacDonald. I know everybody did it last week, but uh, so I'm, I'm just I'm going to have fun sharing some Norm stuff this week, just because... Uh, didn't have much time to process that. And I really, really like that guy's work. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow show at 302010podcast. That's at 302010podcast. And coming up next week, oh, we have a double dose of Denzel Washington. In one decade, he's facing off with John Lithgow. And in the other decade, we find out whether or not King Kong has shit on him. Oh, you got shit on me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's exactly how the line is read. I uh, can't believe that's 20 years old. I really cannot believe. That, I don't know why that feels much more recent, but it does. It really does. And with that out of the way, uh, who died during this period? I, I had to save this from, I wanted to put this in the news so bad, but death is uh, the, death, yeah. the death segment's domain. Yeah, I feel like when you're 87, it's less of a surprise. But as you said, uh, 1991, we lost Dr. Seuss, who was 87. And yeah, we had Jesse Jackson read Great Eggs and Ham with mm -hmm. the good pastor, you know, tenor to it. <laughs> Theodore Geisel, one of my favorite, favorite artists, writers of all time. I really, really, really like that what that guy does. And I yeah. really, really hate the movies they make out of his stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, in case any of your conservative friends are worried about him being canceled, because that was all over the news a little while ago, I can assure uh, you there was a giant display, and not only Barnes and Noble, but also Books a Million 
a huge display, and I'm just like, this is the most lavish treatment for a canceled person I've ever seen in my life. It's literally 15 feet high. Yeah, uh, that it, was one of the most manufactured yes. little hissy fits I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No one was canceling Dr. Seuss. Wow. But uh, Miles da- 1991, sorry. also, Miles Davis was 65. Uh, God, kind of blue, but Sketches of Spain, I, I mean, just a, a jazz giant. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he's only 65. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he uh double bronchitis there's rumors it was aids it might have been aids he lived hard so yeah. no huge surprise there and then in 2001 we launched george gately this who was 72 the creator of heathcliff look we Thanks did thanks for that george we did a laser time a while ago like sometimes the imitator overshadows the original mm-hmm. like uh oreo ripped off hydrox and somehow right. we like lost hydrox garfield came way after Heathcliff and Heathcliff still surprised me. You want to, you want to brighten up your day with a comic strip. Like it's 1965, go to your Google machine, type in Heathcliff garbage ape. I don't know why (laughs) it entertains me to no end. I want it on shirts. I want it tattooed. It makes no sense. (laughs) The garbage ape. I'm following someone on Twitter that retweets the new Heathcliff every day. (laughs) And every day I feel like I'm having a stroke because I don't (laughs) understand where is the joke? Um, I believe our friend Hot Dead has made two songs out of one panel Heathcliff cartoons. I appreciate Heathcliff and later Garfield for really spotlighting the majesty and grouchiness of orange cats. (laughs) Oranges are a special kind of cat as a cat lady. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that they got their due because of Heathcliff and later Garfield, but mainly Heathcliff. And then, not done though. Just a plug for for the, the composer of our theme song. Hot Dad wrote a song based on the Heathcliff comic where he's sitting in a psychiatrist's office surrounded by hams with a helmet that says ham on it. And the psychiatrist says, let's talk about ham. And uh, and, uh, Hot Dad made a one minute song using only those words as lyrics to celebrate the Heathcliff comic strip. Let's talk about <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean oh, to, did I did I overshadow a Nobel Peace Prize winner? My you bad. did. My yeah, bad. 2011 we lost Nobel Peace Prize winner. I'm always not sure if it's Wangari or Wangari. Uh Mathai 71 who's the founder of the Green Belt movement, <laughs> which could be summarized as uh women should plant trees and be in charge of their stuff mm. with trees. And I, I was like, yeah. Sure. <sighs> All right, so with deaths out of the way. Deaths out of the way. It's birthday time. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Wow, I learned so much about this person. I, I just every week, I hope y'all can learn too. Turning forty nine this week. No. Nice. Born September 27, 1972, in Los Angeles, she made her film debut at negative years old. Huh? Her mom was pregnant with her in the film 1776. In the movie 1776? Yes, not the year. That would be odd. Okay. Because this person's still alive. Yes, okay. Keep going. Keep going. Her second cousin is former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, and her godfather is Steven Spielberg. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. It is Gwyneth Paltrow. Holy shit. How'd you do that? You piece of shit. I know my celebs. She's Hollywood royalty, baby. I'm yes. so mad at you. Why? Mom's Blake Danner. Why? I'm talked a... about in uh, What's Your Number? As a Goop member, I know plenty about Gwen. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well... well. How's that jade egg in your yoni? Um, <laughs> see, it just started hitting the prostate. We gotta, can we please close the show? <laughs> yeah, we have some time. 
So I go look at Pan Am pictures. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, well, you didn't know, I bet, that she made her film debut in the failed John Travolta vehicle Shout that we will talk about next week in 1991. Oh, shit. Yeah. I did not know that. Did you know she plays the young Wendy Darling in Hook that we'll talk about in December? I think I might have known that. I think I knew that. Okay. And we have also talked about... The Paul Bearer, Hush, Glee Live in Concert, The Anniversary Party, Infamous, Love and Other Disasters, Running with Scissors, Bounce, Heart Eight, Great Expectations, Contagion, Emma, A Perfect Murder, eh, A Perfect Murder, Sliding Doors, Duets, My Talented God. Mr. Ripley, Country Strong, Shakespeare in Love, Iron Man 1 and 2, and coming up wow. just in 2001, Shallow Hal and Royal Tannenbaums. Ooh, A yes. Perfect Murder. Mighty. <laughs> And man, uh, what a fun show. All right. I cannot wait for next week. There's still a lot of good stuff next week. It's just will not be so overwhelming. And I, I don't want to give it away, but uh, we're going to close <laughs> that with that chili pepper. Sorry. I'm dad joking it up right now. Thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com slash Laser Time to celebrate. Hey, Laser Time's 10th anniversary. And uh, I love what you guys have been doing in the Laser Time Facebook community. Thanks for your responses to everything. Thanks for being a listener for 10 years. Yeah. Here, here's to another. Take it away, Mr. Ketis. Oh, yeah.